Okay, this is episode number 78, Cowboy Shit, Ted and Wacy. I'm Ted, he's Wacy, as you can see now that we're on the Zoom. Uh, Zoom cat, Zoom pod. It's kind of neat, eh? We, you can, there's names on 2020, here. 2020, what a time to be alive. Yeah, we've really had to... Uh, really we've, come had a long to... Way with, we've come a long way with Zoom. We've went from Zoom <clears> parties <throat> in like March and April to like, so you can see your friends. And now I'm like in Zoom University and now we're using Zoom for the pod. Like, and I, is this a zoom double chin or what is that? I don't know, just man. Because it might just be a regular double chin. <laughs> I don't think, because I don't think zoom is, is, to, is to is at fault for it. Yeah. Uh, Sorry. I hate to break it to you that way. <laughs> I didn't think, <laughs> I didn't think I was, it's just the angles, right? Gators talks about the angles. Yeah. It could makes, be the angles. That yeah. makes it worse. You got to stick your camera up higher so you don't have to look down. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> this is what I got here. I got to move my chair down a little bit. There we go. Right. That's still there. That's still there. I just have a, like I just have an inevitable. That might just be the way that you're made, man. <laughs> Jeez. Unfortunately. Well, here we are, episode seventy-eight. I've got my notes in my new book. Just started mm-hmm. a new one. It's kind of fun to be on the new. Oh side. wow! You no know? fancy book. Courtesy of my friend Wacy Anderson, being at his uh, speaker event a while oh, back. That's one of those ones. One of those ones. That's how long I've had it. That was the week before Rona. No, that was the year before, like a year and a, a year and one week. Before oh, it was the one before that one. Oh shit! Right, because yeah. I wasn't a speaker last year. The year before, right. though. Yeah, right. So I finally <clears throat> cracked into it. Got my notes in here. Um, so speaking of notes, first thing we got to go over is uh, world champ Jose Vitor Leme. Yeah, that's sweet. That <clears throat> man, kudos to the PBR for putting on a sweet event given the times. Like, I, like from the I didn't watch like any like of it live, but like all the videos that I seen um they were awesome like the fans were great the riding was outstanding that's probably one of the most electrifying world finals there's been in a while hey <laughs> like there's a ton of big scores so yeah kudos to them and also kudos to jose for getting the job done ton of big scores there was there was like 690s the night that he was 95 uh-huh. and three quarters it was like 690s that night yeah wild i i was impressed with uh, a guy like Keyshawn whitehorse he rides three of five at the finals rides i think he rode you go chiseled in the short round for like yeah. 93 and three quarters. It was badass. And like he made a lot of good rides. Yeah. Yeah. He, he rides three of five and he's 90 points every time. So that Who was that you called out on Twitter for posting a video of Savano and calling a Keyshawn. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> that was funny. Kind of funny. I was like, that's funny. Yeah. I like that. This guy looks a lot like the wrong guy. Cause yeah, that's funny. literally Silvano wears all red and this, well, just even the riding green. style. If you like, if you're a fan or if you watch the PBR over the years, you know, that Silvano. Yeah. That's but funny. some people just don't know, Wacy. Some yeah. people just don't know. Well, that was, yeah, it was good, though. Like, good for Jose. Like, he, like, like I said before, he's on a mission to get the job done, and he showed up and got, did what he needed to do. And even, oh, like, yeah. kudos to, to Brock. Like, Brock showed up there and made a good ride the first night. I mean, didn't really get anything else done the rest of the week, but for coming as an alternate, that's still, still a pretty good showing. Hey, he won more money than, uh, for riding one bull this year than Jared Parson drove won for riding four last year. That's so. crazy, man. That makes not as make sense to me, but he had he had one score that was higher, and it really counted. <laughs> yeah, they did. Yeah, that's for sure. But that's that's the what they're doing with their payout, right? That's been a goal to a guy who doesn't win on average bulls. And Jared rode mm-hmm. average bulls last year, and as shitty as it is, he rode the bulls that were you know average given, for the PBR yeah. World Finals. The ones that he was given, he picked a couple that he knew he could, was going to be able to ride and get a decent score on. Mm-hmm. Still, was only like I think his highest score might have been like eighty seven. Yeah, I think you're right there. Yeah, which is actually like kind of like an average score in the PBR. Unfortunately, now 
for a guy like, you know, if you're 87 twice in Canada, you're going to win. You're winning an event. Damn near every time, right? Well, unless like, it, unless unless but an 87 one, here is different than an 87 there, too. Yeah. Yeah, true. But, I mean, yeah. it, still, it still sucks that Jared didn't win any money last year. I'm oh, yeah, that. for sure. I'm just saying I, that they're trying to pay the guys that make the really, really good rides. Yeah. I, I, think, I think, like, there's some merit in that as well. But there should be – you should be getting paid if you're riding the most bulls, I think. Yeah. I think – uh, I'd be curious to see where Jared would rank this year. If if a guy looks at the standings, like I'd have to go back and look at it, but mm-hmm. I bet he would have won more this year. I don't know if they would have, if they would have, if they changed anything because of that. I don't think they did, but yeah. I think he would have probably won a bit more this year. But then also this year was around less. I almost didn't notice it for a while, but there was only five. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. There was well, then they, they wasn't there like a cutoff too for one of the rounds. Like if they were yeah. like the top thirty or something. Yeah. On uh, on Saturday. Like our Sunday, sort of the last round, like round four before the short round was round five this year. Mm-hmm. It was like top 30. So, yeah, they made it a little different. But, yeah, but like it looked like the event went over well, though. Like the I crowd so. was, the crowd was like 18, getting 18,000 people to an event at any time during this pandemic is a good thing. So, oh, yeah. And kudos I mean, to the PBR, man. I don't know what the capacity is off the top of my head for T Mobile in Vegas, but I mean, uh, 18,000 there would be dang near a full house. Full. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, right? so. And I don't know what they had earlier in the week. I don't know if it was 18,000 every night. I, I don't have that information. and didn't look it up before the show, or I don't know if they mm-hmm. would release it even. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they still made a go of it. There's a few. So there was some pretty – looked like some pretty high-end sponsor seating as well, right along the fence and, like, yeah. on the shark cage too. That looked pretty wild to have, like, mm-hmm. couches down there. I don't know who – who was sitting there, but that was, looks like some high dollars. <laughs> That's going to be cool fan experience for sure. Oh yeah, exactly. Kind of, I thought it was kind of goofy when they're standing up, taking pictures behind the video camera, at, like on the yeah. video yeah. at the end, it was kind of goofy, but mm-hmm. whatever. Um, um, that 95 and three quarters from Leme though. Let's talk about that ride. Like, man, I, that was a sure, hell, hell of a bull ride. I'm pretty sure anybody that knows anything about bull riding or is involved in the sport, it seemed like, most folks were pretty agree in agreement that that was the best ride we've ever seen ever. Yeah. Like that, that bull had everything you want to see in a bull, like lots of kick and jump and he was spinning fast and like flashy. And then on Jose's end, like that was complete domination of a bull aside from spurring him, I guess. But I mean, I don't know a guy who can spur a bull like that's probably like Jesus or somebody. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, a, it was a pretty impressive ride. Um, oh man. I like he did everything right on his end and, yeah, that was that's the best board I've ever seen in my lifetime for sure. Yeah, I agree. I mm-hmm. we were looking at what a higher score could be, and I guess for him to be much higher, like the scores that we got were, I think he was twenty four and a half, twenty four point five on a twenty uh, twenty three point five makes that a forty. Uh, what is it? Forty eight, right? Mm-hmm. He was forty nine yeah. rider score. Yeah, his rider score was 49 because he was 24 and a half. But I'm saying together, 23 and a half and 20, 23 and a half, 24 and a half is oh, 48, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So one guy was a, was a half point less. So he would have like, somebody marked something at 23, the bull at 23. Because mm-hmm. the bull score was, well, it was, it was 48 or 49 on a 49 on a 46.75 bull. Mm-hmm. So somebody was a half point less on the bull is all. But that's, a ba- that's your basic score, right? So when the judges are only allowed to give a half point, the only thing they could have done to make the score higher would have been to score the bull higher, unless they're going to give him a perfect ride, which I don't think they could because he technically didn't quite make the perfect ride. So I see where the judges are coming from because if they mark the bull a 24, mm-hmm. 
even at 46.75, that was the top out of the entire finals as far as bowl scores went. Yeah. 46.75. So then, so what do you think it's going to take for someone to break the 96 and three quarter or whatever the high score is threshold? Um, is it going to be, is point, it going to be the perfect rider score? Or is it going to be like a perfect, like a 49 point bowl or what's it going to be? I guess the thing, the thing I was getting at with, with adding those scores together with the, for it to be 48 overall is that they all knocked him a half point on his form. So you would have had to get, which to I get think, that. I, which it could almost be nitpicking at that point though. Yeah, when you ride that good of a bull, right? And like, yeah, I, I think honestly, though, in all reality, like if you watch the video, like he's pretty much in, like he's in the middle the whole time. Yeah, he kind of like gets whipped a little bit, but I mean, what do you do? That, like, you what do you do? Yeah, how do you exactly. how do you make him much better? Like, but then again, like, how do you mark that bull a twenty four without a with like based on the ABBI system without without the direction change or without, you know, maybe he didn't extend his legs and up high enough. Maybe they're picking the bull on that for a point and a half. Cause right. they're both like the, the ABBI, ABBI judging system, as far as I have uh, known about it is there's, there's five points for each of five different categories to get to 25. Mm-hmm. So there's like buck spin intensity. Like there's five different categories. Which so they, I like, but he could be five on those though. Uh, but there's, but they decided there was something that docked yeah. him a point and a half over five categories, right? So, yeah. so honestly, if you think about it, it's not the perfect ride, so it's not a twenty-five. And the bull got dinged a couple times, so that's where they're going to get his ninety-five and three quarters. And that's been kind of where, mm-hmm. you know, I, it's tough. I I get where the judges are at. The thing, uh, the thing that makes the difference is that um, previously, where those ninety-six and a halfs came from. And one thing that, uh, one thing that, I think Slade Long mentioned somewhere along the way was that those higher scores with the ninety-six and a half came two when judge they had system. A, yeah, the two judge yeah. system. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that uh, was, I guess, what they were more likely to have those higher scores. It's higher chance, yeah, because there's only two judges rather than four. Yeah, a higher probability. Yeah. So, so where you're going with the forty-eight, it would be 40, 48, 48 gives you your ninety-six. So it would have been there, but I don't know, man, even like, even the JB Mooney ride with the four judge system, like how do you mark Bushwhacker mm-hmm. 25 points? And I even, I even think JB's ride on Pearl Harbor is better than his ride on Bushwhacker. Well, and even you look at like, uh, Jose on, on chiseled this year too, I think, or I think you rode smooth operator, Jess rode heartbreak kid. Like the way these things are, the way the system is built, I guess right now, it's going to be tough to get past it. Cause you're going to have to mm-hmm. see something. You know, I don't know how you don't mark that one higher. Yeah, I don't know, dude. I you're don't already know at the it. highest score. That's, so, it's part of my tough. conspiracy theory of the PBR. Oh, what is it? Let's see this theory. <laughs> um, I like, and this is like no disrespect to anybody, forewarning, but I think there's like a conspiracy theory to where like, as long as like the old boys club of the PBR, like the Ty Murray's, JW Hart's, Cody Lambert's are all involved, they don't want to see that 96 and three quarter, 96 and a half threshold broken because that's like kind of like they're like, they're clinging on to that as like their claim to fame over top of everybody else who's still in the PBR back when they bucked, I guess. You could yeah. Say. Just, it's, kind of, it's just like, it like kind of like adds to like, like, like full, the folklore of it almost of like, Oh, like that was back when like the shoots were made of wood and the men are made of steel <laughs> kind of thing. Right. So yeah. I think as long, I thought as long as that's part of it, I don't think we'll ever see a score because like, man, like there's been like so many rides between now and then oh, that yeah. have been so much better than that. And I don't care like who you are. Like if you don't like, you're not to be, don't agree with that point. Well, even if you go back and look at like JB on that bull wipeout when he won the world in like 20, that was a great bull ride. 
Yeah, yeah. that was an insane ride for like 93 and some. You go to like uh, JB on SmackDown that same year was really badass. Yeah, JB like, when you back on the Bruiser. And Bones and like, fuck, there's like, I'm like, oh, yeah. when JW Harris rode Long John at the World Finals the one year, like, there's just so many good rides that are like, yeah. in my opinion, better than than those ones back in the day yeah yeah i agree well I we went think, i just we went over those rides one time too like the yeah exactly. 90s right and we broke it all down so so i think yeah, that I, I don't know i think I, there's probably no truth to it but that's just like my conspiracy theory with everything just because i it's yeah kinda I, like the last thing they have to hang on to that they can hold <laughs> over top of everybody else i i disagree with your conspiracy theory but i see how you could come up with it so yeah i'll, yeah. I'll leave it at that that's it and you know what i'm not a conspiracy theory guy and that's but the I just only conspiracy one. theory that i believe Okay. Okay. Is that they don't, they'll, they'll never break that score. Um, let's move on. I got to <laughs> say, I have a point about Lemme. I think uh, his athletic ability is like nobody else in the business so far. Being a soccer he, athlete, like he's the most, yeah. I think he's going to be one of the most athletic people to ever be in this sport of bull riding and, and mm-hmm. excel at this level in the PBR. I, I just wanted to make that point. Oh, I- his athletic ability and like the work he puts in outside of it like he he does like different kind of training than most guys are doing and like he's doing specific training and he's training like an athlete and i think that's really kind of like showing in his riding like how much he's dominating right well so, and i i would i want to say that a lot of guys are too like you know lockwood puts in tons of work um for Cooper sure it's like all these guys put it but like they're just a little bit more even more athletic ability and athletic just complete he's a complete mm-hmm. athlete i guess i want to say with with Lemme is, you know, like I saw videos of him playing soccer just for the finals. Like he's just un- an unbelievable athlete, not only just in one sport. So well, like, did you see the, like point. doing Slade tweeted out about the practice bulls he's buying? Like he's buying like ABBI, like classic bulls or practice bulls. Yeah. That's wild. Like that's fucking wild, dude. And he can so. afford it. So why not? <laughs> yeah, me as well. But uh, I mean, he's another level. That's for sure. That guy, he's definitely level. setting the bar when it comes to like, a PBR athlete like what if you want to be the best like you should be modeling yourself after that guy yeah and even him like his form could probably even use a little bit of work but he's just so athletic he can be in those spots that mm-hmm. a lot of guys can't be in and recover from them right like and he's even, even his- made changes to his form because like his away from like the big knock to it on him like last season was away yeah. from his hand well and, and even he- on even on Sunday he fell off two bowls away from his hand too mm-hmm and I mean, oh. and he wrote, but he still rode almost like 66% of his bulls this year. Oh, well, I think it was, yeah. Number. Yeah, it was like 60, yeah. High 60s, almost 70%. It was wild. Yeah, which uh. is unheard of. So, I mean, that guy definitely sets the par when it comes to what it takes to be the best. Mm-hmm. It's impressive. Dakota Butter uh, in our Canadian, uh, Canadian standings. He's our 2020 PBR Canada champ, the only Western sport athlete to be crowned a champion in 2020 one thing we wanted to bring up on the top half of the show here well um, and like and like i said like the top of the show like kudos to the pbr but also kudos to pbr canada for putting on an event like given the circumstances like they grinded throughout the whole season to make it happen for these guys and then dakota butter walks away with damn near 50 grand in season earnings on a tough season mm-hmm. for everyone so i mean like that's like a big round of applause to the pbr for getting the job done there oh yeah and really happy to see to see butter win it that's uh, oh man yeah Happy for that guy. He's a good champion, that guy. Oh, yeah. He's, pretty, he's, a, he's a humble dude, and he gets the job done. So I'm, I'm really happy for him. Exactly. And finally, finally gets it. He's been kind of eluding him for the last couple of years. A couple so. of years, yeah. But and he's, yeah. A guy, and he's a guy who can win like, like two, or three, two or three more, I think. Oh, for sure. Your eyes. For he's sure. still in his, in his prime. So, I mean, this is just only the beginning for him still. I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I guess that'll wrap up our top half of the show here today, though. We, uh, we'll, be back. we'll be back after this with our guest. Uh, again, this is episode 78 of Cowboy Shit. Ted and Wacey, uh, we'll be back with our guest for episode 78 right after this. Thanks. Welcome to episode 78 of Cowboy Shit with Ted and Wasey. Our next guest has enjoyed a successful hockey career spanning nearly 20 years. He represented Team Canada at the 2003 Helinka Gretzky Cup and won a 2006 Memorial Cup with the Vancouver Giants. In 2005, he was drafted 154th overall by the Boston Bruins, not a big deal, and he currently plays for the Jacksonville Iceman of the ECHL. Additionally, he operates his own skills and conditioning camp and serves as a hockey ambassador on the Indigenous Sports Council. Welcome to the Cowboy Shit Podcast. My name, brother, Wacy Rabbit. <laughs> thanks for having me, gentlemen. That, thanks for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. You can't, you can't hear it right now, but we got pure country. We got George Heartland. bumping. Yeah. You guys got that blurred. Yeah, I was telling. You'll be able to hear it in the finished program. I was telling Teddy how you're saying that pure country and George Strait's your favorite. So, so I was just, hey. I didn't follow along with Troubadour, but we're gonna put that one out later. That's more of the outro song. The yeah, Heartland was I, like good one off the bat. I well, I'm like as like a huge, huge uh, George Strait fan. So when I played in San Antonio, I know he had the, he has his big team roping, but I didn't get, we were on the road. So I was hoping to, I was almost considered faking an injury just so I could <laughs> stay home. So I could go watch some of those, uh, some of those team ropers. <laughs> oh, that'd have been handy. And it's not far away from San Antonio either, is it? It's close by. Yeah. I think it's about 45 minutes somewhere where we're like, we were to San Antonio. So he's pretty close. Oh, right. Well, have you seen him, you've seen him three times live. You said when I was texting you before, that's pretty yeah, impressive. See, Seen in Vegas and a couple times. He went through uh, Stampede a couple times, and I was lucky enough. My one of my best friends growing up had an extra ticket, and the other one I had to I had to scalp. There's a lot of money, but I won't say. But it was worth, worth it. it. Yeah, I'm so jealous. That's like my number one bucket list concert for sure. Um, so what, what's what's going on, man? Where are you at? How's COVID been treating you? What have you been up to? Um, well, it's actually we started in Florida. We came back to Calgary where my parents live, and we had to quarantine for 14 days and just because of uh, the places wouldn't rent to people from Florida, we're up in Edmonton now. So my girlfriend, Ashley's from Edmonton. We've been here and basically it's, it's been kind of just really stale. I've been running my camps, my, uh, like my skill school here in Edmonton. And then I've been actually been around the, it's kind of picked up lately with just visiting first nations and bringing my camp there. It's, it's been pretty exciting. I've got a couple NHL guys involved now. And I don't know if you know, Chris Versteeg and, uh, Carletta Edwards, they're on Battle with the Blaze right now. They donated to my school coming up this coming week. So it's it's been kind of it's been pretty big, but also I wanted to get bigger, but you can only do so much during COVID, right? That's awesome, man. Like how so how's it like how important is it to you to be giving back to like these communities and like kind of got and giving these kids instruction in hockey? Uh, I think most more importantly, I just want them to identify with someone that looks like them that kind of came up from the same background. I'm from the Blood Reserve, which is right side of Lethbridge, and I mean, my my heroes were <laughs> were all the hockey the hockey goons in uh, the NHL. You know, there's Gino Ojic, Sandy McCarthy. They were all native, so that's who I identified with. So, I mean, later on, like as I got older, Jonathan Chichu won the more the the Rocky Richard. So, I just want them to see that there is a there is a person that made it to professional 
got to see the world. I didn't play in the NHL, but I just want to make sure that they, they can, if they put their minds to it, they can achieve some of the things that I've achieved, hopefully more. Well, and that kind of ties into your role with like the Indigenous Sport Council. Maybe talk a bit about that. Yeah. Um, so Jay Candy is the executive. Uh, he runs everything there at, at ISCA. And right now we're just trying to get, I mean, they have a do. They do a great job with all the with all the First Nation communities and Indigenous communities throughout Alberta, whether it's rural or on reserve. Of they have a family, uh, like a family workout or an actual fitness like challenge. So it just kind of gets everybody moving. So like, there's no excuses. Even though if you are out in the middle of nowhere, you you can still be active. And I think that's most important. And he wanted to kind of broaden his, uh, I guess, the the company. And I he asked me to be the Hawk Ambassador, which I was. I mean it's an honor anytime I ask you to, to be an ambassador for anything, but for the, for an indigenous, uh, sporting that I think that's important for me. And like I said, I just want to make sure I get back to my community. And now that the, I'm kind of at the end of my career, I want to make sure that like the game that's given me so much, I want to start giving back. And I feel that's really important. I want to jump into your hockey career a bit. Like, why don't we talk about your path to like the WHL moving into pro and like, even like the NHL draft, like you've had a pretty, like a damn good hockey career going through your hockey DB. Yeah, I think I think I was born a little too early. I'm five <laughs> foot nine. Uh, I feel if I if I was born a couple of years later, you look at the NHL now, the way they skate and their more emphasis on speed, and that that was mainly my thing. I was drafted by the Big Bad Bruins that traded Joe Thornton. So as soon as uh, as soon as Peter Shirelli came in, he loved his big boys like my teammate there in Vancouver, uh, Milan Lucic and. Uh, Adam McQuaid and all those big boys. So I wasn't exactly a big six foot four centerman. I was the five foot nine centerman that <laughs> that didn't really fit into their plans. But you know, I, I'm very grateful. Even if I didn't make the NHL, like I said, I've got to see some really cool places. I've visited, lived in, um, met some awesome people. My Western League career was something that I'll never forget. Obviously, winning the Memorial Cup and being named captain in Saskatoon that was a, that was one of my favorite. Well, I guess one of the huge honors of, of my life is being able to represent uh, a city and having that C on your crest. Well, you were a big deal in Saskatoon, even Saskatchewan. Like everybody knew who you were. Like I grew up around the Saskatoon area and like whenever I'd introduce myself to somebody or someone would ask me what my name was, they'd be like, oh, like Wasey Rabbit. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's how it is, how it was. So it's pretty cool to see how this all comes full circle. Now we're having a little chat about it. Um, yeah, we were. I was. Oh, I was just gonna say. I was joking. I'm glad that that works out because when I would say Wacy, they would say something completely different. I would say, no, it's like Casey or Lacy, <laughs> but oh. with a W. Like, oh man, oh, okay. <laughs> I was working for a construction company and I was emailing this lady, and my name was in the email three separate times, and she emailed me back and called me Wendy. So that's probably the worst one I've had <laughs> in my life. Yeah, <laughs> so I've had it all under the sun. Um, oh. talk about the. Uh, Helinka Cup. That's a pretty big like opportunity to be able to represent your country on the international level at a tournament like that. Yeah, so that selection process started when you're 14 with like Team Alberta. You do the like the province stuff, and then obviously being selected to our year was the Canada Winter Games. Usually it's Team Pacific and Team Western against Team Ontario, but because our year fell on a like a, every four years, it was the Winter Games, which is really cool. So I got to represent Team Alberta, and they kind of do their selection camp from there. So the top 40 guys from there will go to the under 18 summer camp. And then, I mean, from there, it's just kind of who the best players go. And I was one of the players that was selected. And I always show when I go to communities in that picture, I'm standing right next to Sidney Crosby oh, <laughs> in the awesome. Team Canada photos. So everyone would be like, oh, you played with Sid the Kid? I'm like, no, 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 he played with me. He was the young <laughs> guy, you know, he was the younger guy. He was an underage guy that's playing with our team. But 
we didn't win. We probably should have won. I mean, but I think that was the first time we didn't like team Canada didn't win in like seven or eight years. <laughs> what was so it like it was, playing with Sid at that age? Like how sick was he? Oh, you, you know, when you talk about like, you'll hear guys talk about like Wayne Gretzky, how he was two or three plays ahead. I didn't, I didn't really like, I got, we got to see him when he played Nova Scotia, but because you're so invested in the game that you don't really get to watch at the camp, like we skated on the line. Um, just, I just like, I was a quick player, but he, like the way he thinks, the way he moves, he was already a man. Like his legs were tree trunks and he could shoot the puck. He could, he was just his, I, his whole vision. He's my favorite player from when we were 15, you know, so I just got to watch him in the NHL, but he was just a man amongst boys and like a, like a chess whiz on the ice. Cause he would just pick you apart either as physically, mentally, or he would just kind of do it himself. Did you get to play on a line? You got to play on a line with him at the tournament? Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, that's sick. So yeah, I just tried to, I just go to the net with my stick on the ice and he would hit me. So get your shovel uh, out and shovel him in. Exactly. <laughs> uh, who are some of the other players that you played with that kind of up that level with Sidney Crosby or some of the best you've played with that people might not know about? Uh, well, I think the team that will be most, uh, everyone will be familiar with when, when the Bruins won, I was half that team was in Providence. So, uh, Tuka Rask, like Johnny Boychuk, uh, David Krejci, uh, Brad Marchand, they were all my line mates in Providence. So I think all those guys, and then you play with a lot of good players in the American hockey league, just come going up and down. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, because I was with the Bruins for four years and in that organization, I wore a letter in Providence. So that, that my last year there, we had the kind of the same makeup of the team that ended up winning it. I think it was in 2011. So like it, you, you're kind of jealous that, I mean, you're part of it. They trade you away, but you're really, you're really happy for your friends. And I don't know if you guys remember the stick swinging incident with Tuka Rask. After <laughs> yeah, I remember he got that. scored on him. To, so he almost took my head off. Oh yeah, you would have been on that team. <laughs> I was, I was on the ice when he came back with the stick and threw everything, and I turtled, like I did the turtle shell with the head going down into my shoulder pads because he would have ripped my head off. And it was pretty funny because he was swearing in Finnish, and then he'd come back and start swearing in English. <laughs> but I knew he was, he was heated, and I was like Tuka, man, you got to relax. It's a Sunday afternoon, <laughs> like <laughs> January. <laughs> that's awesome uh what's what's marshan like as a guy is he as big of a rat off, off the ice as he is on the ice no he's well like he likes to joke like he's really personal he's a really good teammate he was one of my best friends on the team um but he's honestly the definition of the guy you love to have on your team but hate to play against but he, he has that he has that really competitive edge where even like we play soccer in two touch he would just through like throw a bad ball at you so you're out so he could win and that's the type of like com- like ratness he has and he has the the boys called i know he went he got famous with barstool with the with the nose face killer because we'd always make fun of his nose but, <laughs> but he's he was i oh mean he was awesome i love him even to this day we still kind of keep in touch so like again you're just you the guys that you play with you never think are going to be superstars because you're just not that you're not that far when you think you're there but you also you can understand why they are superstars because you get to see them every day in their work ethic. And I think he's the Bruins did a good job with him, just kind of reining him in to pick and choose of when to be like really pesky. So I mean, <laughs> almost a hundred points and he's on the, probably the best line in the NHL over the last two or three years. So I think he's doing great. Well, that probably helped you throughout your career too, like kind of develop your game and then it kind of transfers over to your camps now where you can kind of teach the kids that you're coaching now, some of those values that you learned from those guys. Right. Yeah, it was crazy. So when we when I was in Boston, one of my favorite skills coaches, Paul Vincent, we called him Mr. V. 
and we got sent down to Providence. He worked with us. And for the first, I'm going to say two weeks, he would not let us catch a pass with two hands on our stick. And I didn't understand why. And it just kind of seemed stupid. But then he was talking about how like you want to play quick and you want to play fast. So when you're past, like they want you to like reaching for on one hand and just little things like that, you pick up and um, just, you would like you you see all the toys on the ice with kids like it just develops bad habits where we weren't working on that it was just strictly i like working on your skating and just individual stuff like that and that's what i try to bring into my skill school like i'm not gonna bring out little stick handling stuff i'm gonna put in stuff that where you're gonna you're gonna be comfortable on your edges you're gonna be exploding out of the out of the corners so that when you do get hit and into those high collision areas, you're ready for that, and your body's prepared because it's a, it's a high, it's a high impact, high collision sport, and you got to make sure that you're 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 ready and you're safe and comfortable going into those areas. You mentioned how you actually never made it to the NHL, but you still got drafted. Like, talk about how, like, especially with someone with your roots, like, like the difficulty to get to that level and then actually get drafted. Like, how big of an achievement was that for you in your career? It was kind of just more of an achievement for my parents because I knew how much they they sacrificed for me. Um, leaving the reserve is a big thing for, for indigenous people, you know, because it's your, that's where your family is. And my parents moved off with me so that they could pursue my hockey career. We moved to Airdrie and there wasn't a lot of indigenous or people of color in the, in the community. And I know that, I know for me, it was a little bit easier cause I'm very personable and I'm like, it doesn't matter who's who or what's what I'm, I'll be your friend if you're nice to me. But I know for my parents, it was just obviously the financial sacrifice, but the sacrifice of leaving our family and, it was only two to three hours away, but it felt like it was a world away. And then um, when I was drafted, I remember my mom like started crying and like my grandparents were really pumped. And my dad, he was just like, you get to travel. Here's your, here's your, here's your shot. Now you work, go work hard for it. And it was more of a celebration for my parents rather than anything. And for, for the indigenous side, it was kind of uh, like a, like me just kind of opening some doors for younger, for the younger generation saying, you know what? This five foot something kid from the res, everyone said it was too slow or too short or because he where he didn't come from was never going to make it. But here I was and you see on it on I'm on the NHL draft board. And when I signed, it was it was kind of the same thing. So I was it was a big honor anytime you get drafted. But uh, to get drafted by original 16 was even more special. In 2005, 2006, he won the WHL Humanitarian of the Year, which is like it's not like a like a super like well known award, but definitely a prestigious one. Talk about winning that and kind of how that helped with your development. Yeah, the the Doug Wickenheiser Memorial, the that's something I that's probably my number one. I mean the 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 team accolades, the the personal accomplishments are nice, but for me to be recognized just for doing stuff in the community, I don't you don't do stuff in the community to to win awards. I mean, for from day one when I was in Saskatoon, Jack Brodsky, who at the time was our owner, um, just made sure that you know we were we were, although we were hockey players and we we're going to be in the newspaper, we were citizens of Saskatoon first, you know. And we're trying to grow the we're trying to grow the game, grow our organization, but we're still, you know, every time we're in the community, we're going to present ourselves well. So, with Saskatoon having a high Indigenous population, my last couple of years, I made sure that. I would go to schools either in around in Saskatoon or around the Saskatoon Tribal Council. Um, the Blades did a great job with helping me with that, and it was just it was an honor. It was it was honestly one of my, one of my favorite my biggest accomplishments in life. Just because I want to make sure that when I go back to Saskatoon, people remember me for that rather than just the goals I scored. That I was good in the community. Did you get to play with Brayden Holpe in Saskatoon? Would that have been the same? 
Mo- Holt, Holt, Holt became a couple years after I okay. did. My, my last year, I was with like Devin Setaguchi and Joe Barnes. And that was kind of like the last group that we, that I had together with them. Uh, so the year you won the Memorial Cup was Vancouver. Talk about how that en- you ended up in Vancouver and then that journey to actually winning the most prestigious ho- trophy in junior hockey. Um, it was a whirlwind. I, so I signed my contract in June. You think you're going to be a pro? I get to Boston camp, have an okay camp. They said, like, I knew I was going to go down to Providence. But at the time, we uh, they're at the you could only dress 11 forwards rather than 12. So I was the odd man out, and they all they, they dressed three centermen. And the centerman I was behind was Nate Thompson, uh, David Krejci, and I want to say um, Vladimir Sabotka. So <laughs> they're all high picks, and I was kind of the odd duckling <laughs> yeah. out. And I was in and out of the lineup. I remember I got a healthy scratch probably about six or seven day, like six or seven games in a row, and I was frustrated. I just wanted to play, and I, my rights were going to get well. Sorry, my I was going to get sent down to the East Coast Hockey League when my agent said that. Vancouver was looking to make because their hosting was looking to make a big trade and they're looking for a centerman and the deadline was coming up. So it kind of worked out when I was getting sent down that the deadline was a few days. It was coming up the Western hockey League deadline. So they, they arranged something. And then within, I'm going to say four, eight hours, I was getting, I was getting sent down to long beach. Then I, I, I land, turn my phone on and I have a whole bunch of missed calls. Um, my agent said that I was traded. So get on this flight and go to Vancouver and then I have all these calls saying that I was traded and I didn't know what was going on because it was a six hour or it was like a four hour flight. And then within <laughs> 48 hours, I was in Vancouver and I was a giant and it was kind of nuts. And our team was amazing. We only had about 12 guys at practice because half the guys were at World Junior. So <laughs> like it was nuts. It's not and, a bad team. <laughs> oh, it was, like, it was like if you look at the roster and then even I, I, I always talk about this, uh, like that finals against Medicine Hat. That was probably the most intense hockey. Like everybody from the 16 year olds to the goalies to D to the, all the fours, they brought their A game and that that triple that we double. I think it was a double overtime in Game Seven when we lost to Medicine Hat. It was like people still talk about it, it as one of the craziest games of all time in junior hockey. And I just remember <laughs> like you 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 we tied it up, so we go into overtime and then like the fog starts coming around. You're skating to lift the fog because there's so many people in the stands and then with a blink of an eye it's over i just remember watching that goal go in and i was on the bench and i just like my my heart just went down to my stomach and then i felt like i was was gonna cry (laughs) and then you you don't you don't have very much time to to kind of sit and sulk and lick your wounds because three or four days later we're hosting and we play lewiston for the home opener on friday and we're hosting we lost so like you just kind of but Don Hay did a great job of getting us prepared for the Memorial Cup. That was Vancouver. That was yeah. You were on the same team as Lucic. Uh, uh, who else you got here? Uh, Gallagher be on the Lance team. Boma. Wrong, no. Vander no. Kane, so is that right or is, am I missing? Vander Kane. Yep. Yeah. So we had Vander Kane, Lance Boma, James Wright, spent some time in the NHL. Uh, Jonathan Blum. Uh, I think uh, I want to say Brennan Mickelson. Like we had a like our whole team. Ken Lacarlo was a first rounder. Uh, Michael Repic, who was my right winger, played spent some time in the NHL with the the Panthers, and even the the like the young guys end up having the best career. Like the sixteen year olds, had Lance Bowman had a great career in the NHL, and unfortunately with uh, Craig Cunningham and his accident, he was on his verge to being a, like a full time. Yeah, so and, and Connor was like he, he. I just heard him on the podcast the other day. Like I totally forgot about his his first year. He didn't score a goal his whole first year, sixteen year old, and he ends up playing in the NHL and. 
just accomplishing like some amazing things. So it just goes to show like the type of character we had on our hockey team. It was kind of nuts. So as a 20 year old coming down playing pro, like you were expecting that you're going to have to carry most of the load. I walked into a room where there was, I'm going to say 14 or 15 first rounders or second rounders. So you just try to fit in and everybody had the same goal. Don Hay was, uh, I mean, he was a hard ass, but you, you, you worked hard for him. He loved you. And like, I remember we'd have like two and like, we had a two hour practice, a pregame skate game six before game six in Prince George. And we didn't understand why he was killing us and begging us. He's like, well, if you don't want to practice as hard, make sure you guys win tonight to, to sweep this, to win the series <laughs> against Prince George. And we'd, we'd have like full out fights in practice just cause they were so competitive. And I didn't, I was like, what is going on? <laughs> but you just fall in line and you're, you become a giant and then now we're <laughs> everybody we're Memorial in. cup champions. Exactly. How good was the party at the Roxy after you guys won? <laughs> Ooh, what happened? What, what happens at the Roxy stays at the Roxy, right? That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Unreal. No, it was a good time. We had uh, our families all. They brought. They got a hotel like just because we were out in Ladner in South Delta. For those that don't know who Vancouver, we didn't live in Vancouver. They kept us outside, out of trouble. So Smart. they had our families there for the hotel, and um, we had we had a supper. The the Memorial Cup came all the billets, everyone that was involved, the scouting staff. So we was, it was a good celebration. And then once the, the sun said it was time for the boys and maybe if that's another, t- that's a, that's a conversation, not for a podcast. Yeah, off the, off the, that's an off the air. I have a beer sometime. That's yeah. Good. Um, so you got to place like so many, so many different places all over the world, like Europe, all over the U S. Um, Talk a bit about that. Japan and then, and then, yeah. Is it N- Nippon paper cranes yeah, in the Asia Nippon, league? Yeah. So Nippon paper cranes. So the, you wiped your ass lately. You probably paid my my uh, my salary there. They, <laughs> Kle- Kle- Kleenex own they own Kleenex, so that's like no way. Their, their, yeah, so that's their. I just posted a picture on my Instagram. They have the the Kleenex. That was our big sponsor. Um, oh, wow, it was nuts. It was nuts. Like that was my first time really experiencing uh, culture shock. My first time in in Europe. I was in Croatia. That was there was some culture shock, but because we're, I mean our whole team spoke English, that wasn't it wasn't as bad. Just kind of going out the into the i guess like the neighborhoods and the city was a little bit different but everybody spoke english or you could get by but when i went to to japan it was northern hokkaido the prefix there was so there was no there was absolutely no tourism so there was no need for english and a lot of our guys on our team didn't speak english we had a translator walk around with us all the time so if the coach was talking he'd be whispering in our ear and i'd just be losing like will you shut up let me try and like figure this (laughs) but it was it was awesome though we got to we got to travel. We were went out in Tokyo all the time. Went to Russia. That was there's a team in Russia. Then we asked. There was four teams in South Korea, one in China. But we got to go to like the demilitarized zone and uh, that separates North Korea and South Korea. Just to kind of wow. walk. We walked the the Great Wall of China. And awesome. when I first we were in we were in Chichihara. It was it was somewhere in China, like a bigger city. And I just remember we were in this huge hotel, and I was looking outside and. It's probably like a nine, probably nine to ten lane, like a roundabout. And there's probably fifty, I'm gonna say six hundred cars in this roundabout. Like one it traffic was like circle. One traffic circle, Holy. and it was the middle of city, but it was, it was like Frogger though, because people just walk out in the middle of the street. <laughs> so I'm shit. just, I'm just, I'm just sitting there and I'm watching, and I'm like, someone's gonna get hit. I'm like, I can't look away, but someone's gonna get hit. I'm like, I'm gonna watch it, and I'm gonna it's get a NASCAR wreck. It's bad, and but was, you can't look away. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like what's happening in the U.S. right now. The election, you just can't look away, right? <laughs> oh, man. 
but it was i mean it was something like you never ever think you were gonna live like it's you can go visit these places but you to actually experience and live there like japan was i loved it like we had uh jesse craig who's from edmonton and my best friend jeff lovecki i played with him like five or six different teams so karaoke is huge in japan so anytime we went out anytime we went out we uh <laughs> the the locals would buy us either our food or our drinks if we would sing them a song because and by the end of the night we're just like having full out concerts and getting our, <laughs> our our bill paid for because they're like oh there's the the Canadians and Americans and Backstreet Boys I I I I love it that way or whatever the hell the song is called I got it down to a T and we would all have different parts so we just get down by the end of the year we would we'd go up like ah kind of hungry he's like i don't i don't want to really want to pay for my meal I'm like all right let's go to this place we'll we'll sing a couple of songs and we'll get our meal paid for holy what <laughs> so was it what was your go-to karaoke song yeah. the, oh it was it was whatever they they requested oh so they're like hey what about wow. this one what about on this demand. one so yeah so there's a lot of bieber i think um <laughs> where are you now i tried to sing a couple country songs but Some it George. wasn't picking up yeah george like it was late at night and no one was really paying attention i'd rip off rip a george song but a lot of Backstreet Boys, um, like a lot of ABBA, just some like weird songs <laughs> you never understand. But like, really, I I knew that I knew the song. What was your go-to ABBA track? I honestly gimme, gimme remember. For sure. like, I didn't even know. I didn't even know the songs. Like I don't oh, know how wow. they knew this. Were like, That's it was dumb. really weird. Was um, the was the team like popular in the city? Like, were you guys kind of like the rock stars of the city, or were you kind of just? unknowns and they just you, it's they knew baseball the Canadians there, American, isn't it? well yeah so so baseball in the in the springtime the summer and then we were the hockey so like our base we were in Sapporo so it was a big like a we had the big like I think the Olympic Games were there not too long ago in like the 70s or 60s I believe oh wow but so it was a hockey it was a hockey it was a hockey town we had a uh, our arena probably held about 4,000 and we would pack that every time. So it was weird though, because they were so polite. They wouldn't cheer very loud and they'd have like their, their sayings, but they say it quietly. And like, you know, they're just so polite people. And I really love my time just meeting the people. I just wish that I could speak Japanese or we had a better like way to converse. I remember we had a party at like at our apartment complex and I was sitting there and one of the young guys didn't speak a lick of English and he would just like smile and nod his head. And I'm like, so what are you going to do? And it's like kind of late. And, like everyone's kind of gone. I'm trying to go to bed. He's like, <laughs> and he would just like smile and <laughs> so I just find like, like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, well, do you want to go home? And he's like, like, I'm going to bed. And he would just smile and like nod his head. I just finally had to grab him and throw him out. I'm like, hey, let's <laughs> go to bed. You just literally could not, for the first time in my life, you could not have like physic- physically like converse with somebody without the translator, somebody who knew, knew Japanese and English. So that was the hardest part for in Japan for me. The hockey was okay. The money was good. Like that's why you'll you'll always see guys go to, to Asia and you'll be like, oh, that's kind of weird. But the money's unbelievable. And if you can stay there for a couple of years, then you kind of set yourself up. Did you have access to the Russian gas when you were there? I didn't. We uh, <laughs> so when we would when we got off in Russia, it was kind of crazy. We were on the plane for about two and a half hours. They just parked right on the tarmac. It was we had, we so we flew private. Um, and then as soon as we got off, the I don't know if it was the KGB or the Army, they had the video camera right on you at all times. Oh, There's wow. a whole bunch of, and it was like you go through the passport. They had a bus that would come with us, and there were police escorted. So I I don't know if I don't know what was going on, but we were on like a it was a nice resort that we stayed on. It was a ski resort, but it was only us there, mm. and we weren't allowed to leave until we we're like we go play our games, then we'd go there, and then it was. 
it was Russia, man. It was crazy. Like it was the hot, like the, the, the hockey was intense. There's all a bunch of old KHL guys that we played against. So they were pretty good. They were huge. Couldn't skate, but they were mean. I mean, we, they were, eh, they were mean. I, I, you just like me and Jeff would just run a couple right away. <laughs> like set the tone. Yeah. Like I just try to go after the biggest guy and I just be like, Jeff, just like chase him out behind the net. And I'm just going to widow maker this guy. <laughs> and then they, they would all like get like, try and fight me and i'm like hey well let's go then and then like our japanese guys would be grabbing me and i'd be like like no <laughs> let me go yeah let me go <laughs> but, what was what was playing in europe like I, and a lot of guys that i know who've played over there they love the experience and like the fans and the cities like really get behind the teams there too so my first time was in zagreb croatia and they were ran by i didn't know this till about halfway during the year when things kind of clicked but we were own, we were owned by the mafia the croatian mob <laughs> whoa and so like my first paycheck usually you get like an american hockey league cash. You're giving your pay your <laughs> pay cash. no Man. honestly like so we get like the american hockey league is direct deposit i get a phone call and we lived in this hotel that's just below the casino <laughs> and they're like i get a text saying hey come down it's payday and i'm like what the hell so we go down and there's a bunch of guys waiting in line it was literally like out of a movie this guy like our owner gets out of this black like sedan he has his driver like this bald like big guy wearing they're all wearing like he's wearing a suit opens to the trunk opens up the envelope and it's just straight like cash in these bags wait that's unreal and then so i was like i'm not dealing with cat like the one time i did and i ran to our bank opened up a bank account and i was like i'm not dealing with this like that like this is all i need paper like just because i don't want to be and then like the, and rightfully so they they end up folding because i mean i didn't get my money there a lot but probably about I'm going to say 80 players throughout the last five or six years. They had a team. There's about 80 guys suing them right now. So, but but, I mean, but good luck getting the money too, though, because they (laughs) own the courts there and it was just, it was nuts. And it was, (laughs) that was kind of my first welcome to welcome to Europe moment. And then once I I signed in Norway, the last, like the next time I did go to Europe and I wanted to make sure that it was safe and Norway was awesome if you're a single guy, the girls there, like they're beautiful. They're tall. Um, and that's when twilight came out. My buddy that he came to my team would always tell the, tell the locals that I was on twilight. I was one of the wolf pack. <laughs> I, was, I wasn't Jacob, but I was part of the wolf pack. And I'd be like, Oh my God. I'm like, don't I don't IMDBB right now. You won't find my name, but I was yeah, there. Hit. That's awesome. And then, and then Italy was amazing. We, uh, myself and Ashley, we were, so that's my girl. Um, we were right in the Alps. It was beautiful, right in like the mountains there. Like I'd go out on my uh, on my balcony, have morning coffee, and just the breath, the view was breathtaking. It was amazing. Um, and then played the year in Czech, and that was my favorite hockey experience in in Europe, like on the ice wise, because for once in Europe, hockey was number one. Like soccer usually rules all in Europe, mm-hmm. but the the che- the Czechs are they're hockey crazy. We would we would uh, there was a it's called the O2 Arena in in Prague, and it was bigger than the Saddle Dome and in the Rogers, and it would be wow. packed. Holy crap! And it was and like and I'm talking like soccer hooligan chanting. They were like our fans would have to get like a they'd have like their away section and would be like chained off into like this. You're basically in this like cage so that there's no fights break out, you know. Wow. And then we'd get police escorted out. Same thing if they come to our buildings, all the hooligans would have their own section. They'd be lighting off like flares if their team <laughs> lost. It'd be, but it was it was crazy because like even if it was a Tuesday, you were up for this game because it was nuts and like you the, the drums would be banging. 
I remember I, I scored like a, I had a, like a, it wasn't a shootout. It was like a, a penalty shot probably in the, to go up by two. And it was a big game and I scored and I walked around town and I was like the star of the town for like that day. It was nuts. That's awesome. I was, and then you like, that's when I, I mean, that was probably the same year. Remember Yager played with the flames. Yeah. Yeah. He came games. back. Yeah. He came back and we played against him in Cladno. What? Oh, what was that like playing as Yogs? It was crazy because he, he ran that he owned the team. Like he yeah. owns Cladno. So he would just kind of, if the team was losing or if they were up, he was out there no matter what. And he was just like, his ass was so big. You could not get the puck away from him. And it was, he's, I was like, I was hoping to get my phone on the bench to kind of take like a photo. I was hoping like one of the, the media would be able to get me on the ice with him. I never did get a photo like playing against him. Cause I think that'd be pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Even just be able to play against him though. That's pretty cool. Like one of the greatest NHLers of all time. Yeah. And he's like, he couldn't like, he runs Czech Republic. He is huge there. The, uh, the stats say that you like, I'm looking at the elite prospects info here and it says you only had 17 games over there. Is that right? Or is it just not pulling all the right info? No. So, so I started the year in, uh, in Jacksonville. Yeah. I was signed to go there and then my, uh, they called me, they want me to come my very first game. I'm standing in front of the net and this, it wasn't even like a meaningless game too. I think we were like up five, one and our, one of the players just absolutely lays his head down one timer right at my hand and shatters my hand. So oh, I was wow. out now that, that was game one. I remember like the assistant coach, I couldn't stand him. He's this little check guy. I never played. Like he comes in, I'm having coffee and I'm like, have a cast on my hand. He's like, Picha Kurva. Then that means like, it's a swear word in, in Czech Republic. If the people that know Czech know that, that swear word, he's like, basically just said like, was Canadian one game. Now he's hurt. Like Ooh. that's just like, and I was, I was out for like two and a half months. I didn't play another game till January. And oh, then ouch. that was 17 games. And then we played our, uh, our playoffs and our round. And then I was done. So it kind of, it was, it was a, the games that I did play. I loved it, but I, like I was still watching and I traveled with the team. So it was kind of cool. And I still got paid. So it didn't really matter. But I was, I would have like, our team got relegated. So they went down to the second league. So you play a relegation round, so you have to play against the the sec like the league below you. They're top two teams, and we finish bottom two. So that they fight, they, we fight out for who gets to go up, and it's a lot because if you do go up to the Tip Sport League because it's a TV deal, you get a whole like the team and the city gets a lot of money, and if you go down, you lose all that money. So it was a big deal. It was a lot of pressure, and I remember like people freaking out, like it was anxiety, it was high anxiety. I mean, I didn't really, I just. This, I I wanted to win because we had a bonus, but I knew I wasn't going back. But you want to be professional and want and want to win, so I understand because it's if if I'm Canadian and I'm my team is a lot of those guys that was their home city, mm-hmm. so you you want to play for those guys. But we didn't. We ended up losing. Man, how much trouble did people have with your name overseas? They just called me uh, whatever their name was. Like Czech was Kralik Rabbit. Yeah. Um, they just called me whatever, like rabbit in, I remember, I forget what it was in, in Croatian. They just called me that. Like, I just be like, you were Wacy, you were rabbit. Yeah. I was Kralik. I was Kralik or rabbit or in Providence. They called me Bucky. That was my nickname. <laughs> um, I don't know if you guys remember Kelly Buckberger. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was one of my favorite players growing up. And one of my first games in Providence was against Springfield and he was the head coach. And then everyone knew that. And they, that's like how my nickname started as Bucky in providence like oh buckberger kelly buckberger there's bucky and they got me a, i got an autograph from him like he signed my stick it was pretty cool 
they have you listed as like a player coach on one of these like hockey db or elite prospects is that like legit are you a player coach yeah so in jacksonville like in the coast you can do that it just kind of adds to your resume so though like that's what i'm going to do when i graduate or i graduate when i when i retire is that i do want to coach or at least be in the development side um with the iceman jason christie who's kind of just he's helping me with that side of the game. Like I'm in on meetings, like power play, penalty kill, um, like video. They're teaching me how to do video that side. And then the trading, the trading part, just like the, the side you don't see a hockey, um, running the bench. And I was actually supposed to go to the jets development coach at, sorry, the jets, the Winnipeg jets development camp as a coach this summer. But because of COVID that, that kind of screwed things up. So hopefully they'll come back again and then I'll be able to go there, just kind of get my foot in the door and, just so they get to identify me. And I think just because of the old boys club, I think they need some new, some new, new ideas blood. and some new people, some new blood. Exactly. And, uh, I obviously don't want to use my, my indigenous side, but like just, it'll help that if they do have some, some people that identify other than just the old, old white guys that, that run the bench, you know? So you're just rolling yourself out on like PP one every, every game or what? And like, number one in the shootout is that you is that oh yeah player just, coach perks <laughs> like they call it i call myself 7-eleven even when i'm not open i'm open so you better fi- you better find me <laughs> so then on the other side though do you just bench yourself too and you're just having an off night it's like you know what boys coach i'm making a co- coaching executive decision here and benching myself no so so smurf run like our our head coach jason runs everything i just kind of have like a <laughs> just kind of that but he runs like we have a d coach we have a he runs the forward side and i'm on the forward and every once in a while he'll have to bench me just to show the boys that he's still in charge you know um but he's 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 been great and i'm excited to go back we're supposed to go back on the 23rd of november mm-hmm. are we i do have a start date december 13th again we're as we're as we're talking there is a an election going down there so i think that'll have a huge part in it and obviously with the with the coronavirus, but we're going to Florida. It is kind of zombie land there. Like they don't they don't care. Like doesn't they, exist down there. Doesn't exist down there. They Full just go door. and do their thing, you know. So, but like I've already prepared myself to get COVID when I go down there. Like our, our league's done a great job of trying to protect us, and we are in like this mini bubble where you can only go to two restaurants, to and from the rink. Um, there'll be some testing and. Like it's not going to be, it's not going to be like a normal year, man. I feel bad for the young guys that are, that are trying to find a girlfriend down there <laughs> or, or swiping right on Tinder. They're, they're going to have a, if, cause there's some, there is some, there is some, uh, some hefty fines or penalties to pay that if you do get COVID and there's an outbreak on your team and it does affect the league that they're, they're, you're, you're gone. High you know? stakes. So you gotta, yeah. Wow. It, it, it affects the whole league and affects cities. It affects everything. So I think this, a lot of guys will, I'm hoping it's not bad, but you'll understand how putting the team first before yourself mentality is really going to be important. What do you think of the OHL possibly not doing contact next in their next season? I uh, I don't know what like enough about it. I just know it's going to be really hard because I, I've played with some guys in, in beer league that are really good without getting hit, and then you put them into some hitting hockey, and they are <laughs> they're, they're <laughs> it's absolutely a completely different game. So so it's it's going to be so hard to judge players on the NHL, like, especially if it's their draft and it's kind of, it's unfortunate for the 20 year olds that are graduating and they have to finish a year like that. Cause mm-hmm. I mean, some guys will want to go pro and it'll, this year is so important to them. And if they miss the draft that maybe if they sign American league or East coast deal or even to Europe or like, like in the Western league, like every year you play, you get a CIS, you get a free tuition mm-hmm. books, everything covered in the CIS. So it's, 
it, it doesn't just affect the hitting and everything, but at the same time is, I mean, if that's, if that's what it takes to play, I know the guys will just, like, I would be like, whatever, like, I just want to play. I just want some type of normalcy. I just need to be on the ice. Cause that's where, you know, that, that's where I've been my whole life. And, but health and safety is most important. Hopefully this, this COVID stuff ends soon, sooner rather than later. Did you play in the uh, national Aboriginal hockey championship when you were in minor hockey? I didn't. So my, my last, my first year junior was, dub. yeah, I was like, I think the very first tournament was my six year old year in Saskatoon. So we, uh, there was like a, it's called Westerns. It's like for all natives. I've, I've played, I've played in Westerns and the NHC. I won gold with Sask in 2010. Did, did oh, did you? Ask? Not a big deal. Oh, <laughs> I was, you, I was yeah. teeing my, that was teeing myself up. That's like were expert interviewing. Yeah, I was you, you're know. fishing. You're fishing. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Exactly. I wasn't sure if anyone asked. <laughs> fishing and catching selfish good for you man yeah no um but like we so i played with one arrow all the time when i go back to playing westerns we play team saskatchewan because that was kind of their their warm-up tournament and i remember they were event they were like a well-oiled machine because i think they beat us and we had like some western league guys and like but that the team i put on was the best team i ever played on my life we had like three guys end up getting drafted in the nhl and like we had was was dj king on that team no i was with like eric roy and uh okay, Todd Fiddler yeah. and those boys yeah yeah so i know i know Royzy, i know feds all those guys they're they're they were really good players yeah, unreal up. dude it was unbelievable that, because all of them played midget triple a you know they all yeah. either came from beardies or they played the contacts or like the was it the north stars the north battle for yeah team? North, nb north that yeah yeah that's that's yeah right. and you could the, the good thing about saskatchewan with midget i think that's the reason why they they keep pumping out players is you can go play anywhere. You didn't. You could go billet mm-hmm, mm-hmm. here as as Alberta. You had to stay and play where you were, like where you're from, and it just gave more kids an opportunity to, I guess, to get a chance to play at that level, which is, which is I think most important is for kids to play and play a lot and play against the their peers that are that are just as good, if not better, than them. I wanted to ask you about uh, about I was reading this this story in the in the hawk from the hockey writers, like pretty from just uh, the other day actually. And it talked about how you gave it one more chance back in North America, like in 2011 and 12. What was that? What was that experience like to like to go in and give it that one more one more shot? How did that year go? Was it kind of was it almost a bit of desperation there? Or was it was it kind of like you kind of knew that that it was that you weren't gonna go to that next step? Or what, what did that look like? like? I'm curious about being a pro hockey player for that long and that kind of being that one shot. Yeah. Well like my like my story like prior the i went to the the Erste bank elite league which is uh the team that i was with in zagreb but i just i was 23 or 24 at the time and i just felt i went too early to go to europe um and i did uh, the florida panthers invited me to their camp and then i was like you know what this is one more time and i just gave it and the, <laughs> you never know when you get your last chance your second chance your third chance but i knew this is probably one of the last ones being that i'm 25 I mean, I, I was hoping to get, I mean, and again, maybe I should have stayed in North America, but for that time, I had, the, I had a great time in San Antonio. I was fourth line, but I was like first line PK. That's where like I had to, I was a scoring junior, but just to stay up at that level, I had to kind of evolve and face-offs and on the defensive side of the puck was something that if I was going to stay at that level is where I had to be good at. And that was like one of my most important things. And I would block shots like I would I would block two or three shots a night just to stay on the penalty kill and just kind of sacrifice my body just to stay up at that level. Um, but like I didn't I didn't put up great numbers, monster numbers for for 
a smaller guy that can skate. And the next year was coming up. I knew there was going to be a lockout. So the writing was kind of on the wall. I didn't really want to go back down to the coast. Um, I had a, the, the Norwegian team, one of my best friends was playing there and it was a great setup. I'm glad I, it, it all worked out. I think I was, I was supposed to be where I was supposed to be. I ended up playing three years in Norway, but I know that that last year in the HL, because once you do go to Europe, you're always checking the scores and the box scores of like the American hockey league and the NHL. And you watch some of the, the players that you played with get their first game and there's some envy there. But as I got older, it kind of just, it kind of rubbed off and I don't, I don't think like that. I'm very, like I said, I'm grateful for, for what my, my career has become. And now I'm just getting to that, that other part of giving back and hopefully that I can help the, the next generation trying to play in the NHL. Was there, was there a bit of a weight lifted off, I guess, at that point when you, when you went back, like went to Norway, was that kind of like, okay, I, I know I got to go now and I'm headed over yeah. this way. Yeah, I was, I think my first year I had a great year there. Then I, when they asked me for a two year deal, they asked me to resign. I say, okay, well, I want some stability. I want a two year deal. And they had no problem. And after that, that's when like the, the anxiety and just the pressure of play, like trying to make the NHL, not that I did, like I, I became complacent by any means, but there is just kind of being excited and being happy where you are and, being content with with playing in that league and playing with your teammates and that's when you really start to grow as a person is when once that door closes you you open up the next one and at that point I just said you know what if I'm not going to play in the NHL I would like to use hockey as a vehicle and that's when I started playing I was like you know I'll see the world because once I'm done playing I won't be able to travel like this and hopefully I'll have kids and I'll get to tell stories about the places I've been, uh, my parents have all come and visited me. Now, actually, anywhere we go, like we will be in Florida. <laughs> Usually, right now around this time, we're in Florida. So there's there's worse places to be in winter when it's January and you get to walk <laughs> out of the street and you get to go to the beach. You know, so that's kind of how I look at it. And when I come home, it's it's time to do some work and give back. And that's that's what I want to do. And I'll have to start rodeoing soon, soon too. <laughs> <laughs> Must take up team roping. So, so after Norway though, the three seasons there, then you go to, then you go to Japan, then you go to Italy for a season and then you get your first, uh, you sign on with, uh, with Jacksonville, go to Czech Republic, back to Jacksonville. Then you're in Romania for 25 games and then back to Jacksonville. It's quite the tour that those, you know, 16, well, 2015 to, to now. Basically, that's why his theme song is Troubadour by George Strait. Ah, I like it; it's very fitting. <laughs> yeah, that's like I still feel twenty-five most of the time, man. <laughs> um, but like when I went to Romania, one of my close friends was uh, the GM there. Okay, that I played with in Zagreb. So he took over the team and he took care of us there. And just we didn't get to stay because of the team did screw up on uh, Ashley's visa and my visa, so we had to oh, okay. get out of there. And that was kind of the reason why we came back to Jacksonville. It worked out because they. I was I was kind of nervous they didn't want to have me back, but we have such a good relationship with the uh, the town, the city, the the ownership, and and Jason always made sure that we were. He's he's very loyal to the guys that he loves, and I'm I'm very grateful for that. So we get to we get to look forward to that, and I figure this will be my year, and then next year will be my last. So I always said that if I did play pro, that I wanted to play twice thirty five, and hopefully that I'll be able to stay stay healthy and any other. Hopefully, no pandemic show up in the next two years after this <laughs> yeah. one. You know, so <laughs> and so. Why did you Why did you leave Norway to go to Japan? Was that Was that a contract thing, and they didn't renew the contract, or did you want to go 
Like you said, well, you wanted to go travel. Was that part of it? Was traveling? The, no, it was it was the money because they they wanted to re-sign me, and it was kind of the same money. But I was, I had a good couple years where I said, well, you know, we won. I was the golden helmet guy of the league. Like I led the our Not team in scoring deal. the last three years. So I wanted a little bit more money, and they weren't budging. And then this Japanese like slot, like my agents, like here, what do you think? And I was like, oh. All right, yeah, let's go. Let's go to Japan. You know, <laughs> I guess we're going to Japan. And how much of a that, difference was it? Like, I, uh, I don't. Know if, if you want to talk about, it, I don't. I don't know if you want to. No, but like, but it was it was life altering. It was like really one 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 Norway is so expensive to live. So, oh, right in like, downtown Oslo is right downtown Oslo. I remember mm. like the first time I got to Oslo, one of the guys says, "You don't be king at the bar, you know." And nobody buys each other drinks because it's too much money. so expensive and then my mom came to visit and she didn't understand how i wasn't saving like i was expending so much money and i just gave her a currency converter i said here go out buy a coffee buy yourself lunch and then come back and she spent 80 dollars on a coffee wow i think on she one had coffee? pasta like no, 80 no. So she had, oh okay no so she had coffee her lunch and then she bought some other stuff it was 80 bucks and i remember the but if you do want to like go buy coffee there's a starbucks that opened down the street downtown oslo from where i live and it was fourteen dollars for just the that's ridiculous basic black wow. coffee of, of yeah so wow. And when I moved there, when I moved there, it was the most expensive city in the world at the time. Wow. I, I think it's two or three now, but wow. it was like I couldn't understand how everything was so expensive. You just stop kind of, you just become numb to it after a while. Yeah, I suppose and it becomes the norm at that point. Holy crap! Did you get so, to keep yeah. your golden helmet after you had it? <laughs> I didn't. They so it was oh, it was so weird. So you we would all have our normal helmets. And whoever scored the first goal of the new season, they would stop the play and you would go to the penalty box and have to change this helmet over <laughs> no and you put way. it on. That's awesome. It, I was like, oh, come on. Can we just do this after the period? They're like, <laughs> yeah. nope. And right now. The other team would, then the other team would score and they would do the exact same thing. Was it the same helmet? So you just have to give it to Buddy who just scored? Like, hey, man, here's they the had a, They had about four or five oh, okay. in there. So, like, because there's different, they can't be like, guys with the screwdrivers screwing yeah. in like yeah. but they had like all the helmets like okay so like my head's kind of big they'd be like okay you get a double xl you know but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> holy that's awesome so so you go to asia it's it's a life-altering money like it, it's a huge raise from norway and, and a lower japan's expensive too but it's a little lower cost of living so it's a little, little yeah, better like, deal tokyo is super expensive but we were like northern so basically we're northern prefix yeah like almost in so it wasn't as bad yeah, but it was, it was really good, and I wish I would have. It was hard for me because I was alone, and I was oh. like just men- mentally and physically, it was just like a really grind, just like not being able to like because we I think we we're like sixteen hours ahead too, so it was tough oh, to talk like, to stay in touch with everyone at home. Like totally right now, not. it's it's Tuesday night, but it's Wednesday afternoon there or Wednesday evening there. Yeah, mm-hmm. so like I would from practice till about ten p.m. No one like. I wouldn't be able to talk to anybody from home. And then once I'd be so tired, I'd be able to talk to my parents and a couple of my friends for a little bit. Then it was right back to sleep and kind of just, it was really tough that way. Was that where you said you had the culture shock was Japan or was it for, was it further ahead when you were in? No, it was, it was Japan. It was was Japan. Japan. That's where, that's where like, I remember being like when the season ended and getting home, so happy. I would be at like, I'd be at the grocery store and just being able to converse with someone, but like the lady would at seven 11 be like, Hey, how are you? I'm like, I'm really good. How are you? Like just be, to be able to like converse with someone just to talk to somebody. It was, yeah, you know, so just to have that human interaction was, it was really, <laughs> I didn't realize how, <laughs> how bad I needed that, you know? Wow. So, so you could have 
went back there, but you chose not to because of your, I guess you could almost say your mental health, like you couldn't handle it. Yeah. Like they, they, it was kind of like they asked me and I said, no, I'm probably going to look for something else. Um, I was looking to go to South Korea. There's a couple guys that it is more of a North American, like if we were, they all played in Seoul, it would have been easier. Okay. And at the time, at the time they were getting ready for the Olympics. And if he, if I would have played another two years, I would have been able to play in the Olympics because I would have got my passport there. In South Korea. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. So like a lot oh, of wow. guys, like Alex, like there's a lot of guys on that South Korean team that are Canadians that, uh, that are Canadians or Americans. Yeah. They got their, they got their passports there. And I mean, that's what, like, that's what Germany did back in the day in Switzerland. Like all their, if you played there, you can get your pass and, but they make it harder now. But I think if you're hosting the Olympics and your, your hockey, uh, like the Federation isn't as strong to let you kind of get away with it to, to grow your sport in the, in the country. Did but, you ever have a chance to play in the Spangler? I did. I got hurt. So when I was <sighs> my, it would have been my first year in Norway. I know I was on the, I was on at least the early ballot to be like, to go to camp. And I, that I screwed up my back. I only played like 46 games that year, but I was having like a hot start and I was supposed to go. And then the second, third year, I just, I, I never really kind of came back around. And that was kind of the only time I would have been able to go to the Spangler cup. We, uh, we haven't got into, Wacy was mentioning rodeo and, and, and that and you, so what's, tell us your connections with rodeo. I'm curious that way. My whole family rodeos. So like Wacy knows, I'm named after uh, Wacy Kathy. Represent. Um, <laughs> Mel Coleman, the, Mel Coleman, the Saskatchewan, he's a saddle bronc rider. Yeah, world That's champ. That's my middle name. So my name is Wacy Coleman. My my mom is a high school uh, barrel racing champion. My dad's, I don't think he'll appreciate me saying his name, or sorry, sorry saying his age, but he uh, he's pushing 70 and he qualifies for the INFR. He's a header. He's a, uh, my grandpa, same thing. When he was alive, he uh, he roped. Um, my uncles, they all steer, steer wrestler calf roped a lot of my, one of my couple of my cousins, saddle bronc. So, um, like I, I, uh, steer rode up until I was 12 and then just because of hockey, I had to stop that in summer hockey. And when my grandpa passed, I uh, told him I'd start team roping again. So I got to get into that. And I do want to steer wrestle one of my close friends, That's straws, crazy. Milan. I know, you know, straws yeah. Oh, yeah. and Bailey and all them, they, uh, they're going to show me how to, how to do it. And then. It was kind of funny. You got to be there for that. Get some foot. Get some footage. Some content. Oh yeah. One of my one of my close friends, his brother uh, Connor Hamilton. Oh yeah. Hockey hockey guy just showed up and ended up winning the stampede after just kind of finding the his. uh, (laughs) He's like one of the best up and coming bareback riders we got. Oh yeah, great. He's a badass really well. So like you know his story, right? How he just how we found the sport on YouTube and then, but pretty rank bareback. Well, his his brother plays for Calgary's AHL team. Well, that's who, like, we have a four and four team in Calgary called the Toe Dragons. And we have the, like, it's <laughs> you a guys big... play the Chesty team, the tournament? That's the Toe Dragons. We, we win it every year. Right. Okay. I have, I have <laughs> buddies who play that tournament. I can't remember what team they play for, but they always talk about you guys. Yeah. Okay. Huh. Mel, so, I got to, like, I got to correct too. Mel Coleman was not a world champ. 16 NFRs, though. But that's a lot. That's and what it was, but Canadian he's. Champ. That's what it was. Yeah. CFR. Heck yeah. Well, and so, then, like, and like, rodeo was, like, really big in, like, the community you grew up in, like, like the oh, yeah. like on the blood reserve like there's so many like great rodeo athletes come out of there and like i've been to, I've been to bull ridings down in carton and all that place yeah that's what that's what like we hockey or hockey and baseball in the winter or sorry hockey and basketball in the winter and ball and rodeo in the summertime so like i've been i was like since i was like probably walking they throw me on a calf after a branding and 
I was, I've been around horses my whole life. Like my dad, we, that's what we do now. We buy horses off the track and he'll flip them and we turn them into either ranch or, or uh, either roping horses or barrel horses. So like that's, it's always been a passion of mine. And just because of, I've been away for so long, I wasn't able to really like give my full go. Now that I'm retiring, I've been on a horse every day since probably 2015 and just working with my dad and helping him break those horses. It's something that like, it's kind of coming back into my, like getting that taste of the, the rodeo world and the passion. And I mean, we're, we're, we're in Alberta, it's stampede, right? So team roping, team roping's in stampede now. So hopefully I can qualify. One time. <laughs> well, that's like, that's how you, that's how you and I connected over Twitter. Like you sent me a picture of you out with your horse and you're like, this is like, I can't remember what you said is like, this is some cowboy shit or something, isn't it? I was like, hell yeah, brother. That's sweet. <laughs> No, I was just saying, like, I had to, a lot of people don't don't really believe that I was, but my whole family rodeos and, yeah, like, all that, so what were you going to say? Sorry. Oh, would, would you ever get in on the relay races? That's too crazy for me, <laughs> the any relay, man, those those guys are I not, love that, man. a it's lot of so my, good. like, I wish they, the stampede, because it was really taken off, like, I remember when the first race that happened, I was in the grandstand and just watching the people, because the the switch between horses in like this between the second and third lap is like where all the where the money's made and like you just see the people in the stands seeing like my culture and just like the warriors that are riding bareback like that and around i mean they're the <laughs> they probably all ride most jockeys oh that's know, amazing like, so, oh yeah it's like an amazing to, like combination that's that's that's, that's athleticism to a t and that's kind of like what our epitomizes or kind of sums up our people to a that we're we're athletes, you know, it doesn't, whether it's ball, hockey, we just need that, uh, that opportunity. And I'm glad that we get to showcase that. Did, did I play the right music for, for the relay races? That was, that's one of my gigs. I got to play the tracks during the, it's, it's pretty, it's good, man. I I don't remember the music. I was a little nervous just watching because a couple (laughs) of my buddies were, I know like the, 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 the American teams are always really good. Oh, there! It's um, amazing. It's it's that's, it's, that's a highlight of, yeah. of the night for me at the at the chuck wagon races. No yeah. offense to chuck wagon races, but like that that shit is exciting. It, it's it intense. Awesome. Like, there's so much that goes into oh, it. Like yeah. there's like horsemanship and like you said athleticism. Like it's I love that event. It's amazing. Yeah. So I was asked. You guys probably know more about this. I mean, I don't want to. If it's a touchy subject, but I saw that. Is there kind of something going on with the chuck wagon? Like the yeah, they changed the, the rules. Yeah. So I knew, I knew, I saw something on Twitter. There's uh, yeah, kind of some people up in arms about it. So down to and, three wagons per race and only two outriders per what? Two yeah. out, yeah, three wagons per race. It's one of the biggest changes in in a long time as far as the stampede goes. So, I mean, are they? Is it? Is it for? And they go to the tarp auction too, it, didn't they? Yeah, they did the tarp just, auction. The, their their uh, reasoning is safety. As far okay. as as far as they've said so far, I I don't know what else to say on that. Ted, Ted and I aren't very immersed in Chucklandia. We're more towards the rodeo <laughs> Chuck- ball yeah. riding. So, yeah. yeah, that was I just read that, and I haven't really been around much to really yeah. follow up. And now that because of the COVID, like Stampede, I think it was probably for the best. They swept that under the rug for now, and then <laughs> I know a yeah. lot of guys are pretty upset about it. Oh, big time, big time. So so you're gonna go back. Uh, well, have you ever heard about the stories about the Madden Muskrats, the hockey team I used to play with on the, with straws and and the and the Big Belly Cowboys and the, the Big Hanna Belly Hockey Cowboys. Tournament. We, yeah. you're a number one recruit. You're a blue chip prospect. <laughs> we when, need once you. Once you retire, we were already <laughs> drafted is, uh, you to the to these other teams. Straws what's it is called team. the the Madden the, Muskrats. That's one the team. Madden Muskrats. Well, that's who I, I think I, I don't want to play against straws because. I know he'll give it to me, so I'll have to play whatever team <laughs> he's, he's on. He's on our team there, and then we've got yeah, we've got we play in the every year. Canna has like the rodeo committee hosts a fundraiser tournament for the rodeo, and okay. we we play for Big Valley's team, and 
like we're usually underdogs. Like I play golf, the team and Teddy and a bunch of other other rodeo buddies come and play. And we're we, we have a big rivalry with like one of the hometown teams. We usually play them in the final. And yeah, they, Riley we, Grantham plays yeah, for him. You might yeah. remember that name. It's oh, his I know team. Grantham. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah so it's Grantham's well, team. Hey, if if you need a if you need a ringer, I'm always you're the uh, nah, This is perfect. We, we already signed the. We already signed. Uh, I'm in the midst of a 25 year contract. And I feel yeah. there's gonna be one coming your way. <laughs> All right, that's fine. Glenny was even there last year too. Actually, he played on the Okotoks team. Glenn Cross. He yeah, was out I there know Glenny a bit. Yeah, he yeah. has his bull riding. His uh, rough stock. He does yeah. a great. He does a really good job with that. Yeah. Oh, it's does a great event. Have, does he have that in Innisfail? Uh, he did have it in Innisfail. It's been the last, Red Deer last couple. Or Red Deer, yeah, the last oh, couple Red Deer years. now. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Actually, yeah. it's kind of crazy. I got a call from Jim Barry like on March 11th before all the stuff went down, and they actually had canceled it already for this year. They were like ahead of the curve. Oh, it was wow. the first one that got canceled this year. It was kind of oh, that's kind of wild, but yeah. he does a good job raising raising oh, the money for that. So amazing, yeah. Um, I want to ask about uh, about the craziest story. Like the Russian thing was insane, but you've got to have a couple wild stories from the from the road. I. I I got. I got to know. They've been you all got, over the world, so there's got to be something. Yeah, like I don't know if it's Japan. Like I know. I know. I had my worst culture shock ever in landing in Bangkok when I was like 17. It was uh, a- Asia is so much different than North America. That was my first trip out off like across the water, and it freaked me out. I couldn't leave the hotel for like three days. So I can't yeah, imagine well, you living there for like eight months. So back to like weird. Like I almost, I almost died. So I don't remember. We were in China. I don't remember <laughs> if you remember a video like surfacing online of a lady she's going up an escalator and it just falls through and she throws her baby up oh, she's in a mall about. So that was like kind of around the same time. Um, we were in one of the, like probably one of the nicest hotels in the city, but we're on probably floor 42 and it's like an 80, 80 story high rise and the door opens and then all of a sudden just drops like 20 floors. Then it goes up eight and it just keeps doing that for probably 10 minutes. And you're on it the and whole time. I'm, I'm on it. And like, <laughs> Holy you, no like this is where like you're like it, no it was like it wasn't just dropping one or two floors and like it's a five-story hotel this is like a high rise and we're dropping 20 floors at a time then would go up 10 oh and then God. down five so like at that time like i was like being <coughs> sorry myself and jeff looked at each other and we're like i think this is it and like the couple japanese guys were like screaming and like it was pretty terrifying and then finally it stopped and it was probably about halfway open and guys were just ripping through that opening crack. And I was one of the last guys out. And I was just like, please don't go down and take my legs, you know, like, but that was, I remember like, I couldn't sleep. My anxiety, my, like the rush was going through me. I was just like, Oh my God. And then I think, I think I, I think I walked 40 stories every time we went down or up for breakfast oh, until wow. like, I just like, but like, I just didn't trust the elevators there. And that's like final remember, destination shit. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. Like it was Jeez. like I was like, I'm already here, I'm ready, I'm gonna meet my maker, this is it. Like um and then it stopped and it didn't move for a while, and then everyone, like I said, everyone just piled out of there at one time and I had to, like I was I like I, I don't know if I did cry, but I remember like I was close to tears when I got like I once it like kinda calmed down, like your Kissing anxiety the was rushing. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And then I mean, basically like I pretty had some pretty like I'm a pretty tame guy. Um, I was like the, the Croatian mafia thing was pretty crazy. The, the Asian thing, but like we, I'm pretty, <laughs> pretty tame with all that stuff. There's no really crazy stories that, I mean, I probably have to think on the top of my head, but that's, that's number one. And I mean, it's Asia there. Like you, it's, it's just kind of, that's just how they are there. They just, 
like it's they live like that and so many people yeah it's just like the i I remember the smells like i don't know what what it was like for you in china if you were in a nicer part of town it might not have been that way but in in bangkok it was the smell i couldn't get over the smell of the place it was when i remember when we flew into beijing i thought it was like cloudy but it's just how it was it's just a smog and it does this like you couldn't breathe and i remember being in the rink in china too that they would they would full out let you smoke into the rink like into the in the <laughs> we're playing a game and people are smoking and I just like couldn't breathe and I was just like oh get me out of here right now wow uh, you mentioned your girlfriend Ashley earlier like she's like rose to being like one of the biggest supermodels in the world talk about that for how like her journey and where she's at yeah she's I mean she's had a great she's done well for herself she had a tough upbringing um, she's a great advocate and great role model for all First Nations and especially females um, she works with Nike N Seven she just did a thing with R W and Co. Uh, she's on the amazing race Canada with her dad. So she's, she's done some amazing things. She continues to do amazing things. Everyone keeps asking how I'm with her, but I feel like <laughs> I'm, I'm the catch and I'm You're hilarious. The so, yeah, no, but <laughs> no, I'm very proud. And she comes with me and then she gets to, she's been, a, she's having, a, I think cause she's so used to traveling this pandemic really like had to, it was, it was hard on her because she, this is where she, like she goes to visit a lot of communities throughout Canada and North America and because of the pandemic she couldn't and it's so but she's she's done well i mean she's done a lot of zoom stuff and then she uh when her social just, platforms are huge too like yeah she did a thing for nintendo switch or like hello fresh and she kicked me out of the house and <laughs> <laughs> so she could film it so it was, it was pretty i'm proud of her i love her and i'll end up marrying her and she, i can just harass her for the rest of uh for the rest of the time Where, where'd you guys meet at uh stampede Really? Classic. Cowboys no tangent way. just rolled we like, in. No, we were we were like in our teens, but that's kind of funny that everybody <laughs> like like everybody kind of meets at Stampede for the first time in our area. It's but. a genuine Stampede love story. Wow. Yeah, so we met we met then, and then we dated a bit, then we broke up, and then we get back together later in our in our twenties, and now we're we're together. So. so you've known each other since you're like since kids? sixteen, you yeah. said. Yeah, around that age. So like, wow, it's the. The native world's a small world, so you just end up running into everybody. It's a good and a bad thing. <laughs> I, w- I got to ask, uh, I was reading that same, that hockey writer story, and uh, they talked about your first, uh, you were a rookie in the dub, and you had to flight, fight Chris Schlenker. Isn't he a ref now? I think one of our buddies refs with with, with a guy named Schlenker. I don't know if that's him for sure. Oh, I, oh that story, like, I, I kind of get anxiety to this day. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, so, like, I'm driving, like, I'm just trying to make the team. I'm 16 and I'm tiny, but it, it, I wasn't even trying to run the goalie. I was just like the first one I try and like cut in and their defense and pushes me into Harding and he's their like the best goalie in the league. Um, and then the second time he comes out of the net and then I like try to turn and like I slew foot him by accident. <laughs> and so like one, maybe two, not an accident they're thinking. So this is during preseason. Like they don't care. Chris Schlenker is literally the last 35 seconds of their power play just comes out, stands right outside the penalty box. Oh no. And, oh, no. and like they're, they're, they're hemming us on our end, our coach and their whatever they're losing it. They're like, I'm like counting down and I'm like looking at the bench, looking at the ice and I'm looking at him. I'm like, Oh God. And then door opens and then I have to answer the bell. And I mean, I, I did the crime. So you know what? I like, whatever. Did you have a key, like, John? Nope. I had my full visor. I mean, I just held off for dear life. Good thing. Like I knew how to fight. 
and I knew how to hold on, but he was way bigger than me. And he, I think he just kind of was trying to teach me a lesson. Like he could have really strung me out and beat the the tar off my, my wheels, but he, he made sure that he didn't, he didn't hurt me too bad, but he wanted to know that you don't do that to our goalie. And <laughs> I remember, I just remember trying to throw a, throw a punch. And when I was throwing it, it kind of like, we both kind of slipped. So it looked like I hit him. So <laughs> I'll, just, I'll, I'll say that I won that fight, but we might know, but he, he was, he was a tough guy and I'm glad that he didn't, he didn't end my, uh, end my life. That's kind of, that's kind of wild though. Cause he's from medicine hat and, uh, from medicine hat and actually, uh, did a lot of work with a buddy of ours, Bear Lightbound, who was on a, on the show. Oh, before. Yeah, yeah. He talked about Schlenker all the time. I didn't, that's kind of crazy. He was a, he played and he fought a bunch and now he's a ref. Like, it's kind of funny how that, that work goes from being. Are there any other like to tough guys you've had a big boat with in your dub career? Um, or in your hockey career even? I fought some tough guys. Uh, I fought Colin Frazier in Rockford. Oh, wow. There's, if you look on YouTube, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. There's a, Steve McIntyre has two guys and then he's just beating on those two guys. <laughs> And then he, like, one of them pops up and grabs me. And then we had a pretty good bout. Um, like, I'm, like I, I think it's what kind of surprised guys that I'm, like, I'm smaller, but I'm pretty strong. But I also know how to fight. And yeah. I like fighting. So, <laughs> like, like I said, my heroes were, were they were all the NHL enforcers when, when I was growing up. So, we, we worked on our slap shot and our fighting when we were kids <laughs> with, with all the boys, you know. So, what, uh, what about uh, uh, Smacker? You did you play with Smacker, or you guys on the same team, or was he on the other team? In no, that he fight? was my he was my roommate in camp in Providence, and no way, this big red truck. I always I always make fun of him because one, he's from Saskatchewan. Yeah, he's married Easy. to someone in North Carolina, yeah. but he talks with a Texas accent. So <laughs> I was like, Where, "Where's this Texas accent coming from?" He's always say y'all and whatever. But I love Mac. He was on my line. He made sure that I was safe, and he was my stallmate. He he. Uh, sat right next to me and i'd always take his tape and he'd get mad and <laughs> but but we talk rodeo and he was he, he was a blade he played in the western league too so we had a lot in common and i still kind of keep in touch with him through social media every once in a while he uh we're, we've been, i've been talking to him a little bit i don't i don't know him very well yet but i i got a plan to bring him on the show at some point so might have to get you back help us with a few questions before oh that yeah be i remember i remember i remember one of his famous fights he fought uh Oh, I forget his name. Oh, he was somebody with the crazy Marlies tough, at the time. Right? No, but yeah, it was crazy. I mean, he fought everyone that was crazy tough, but I remember him literally knocking a guy out through his helmet and both of his, like the guy's ACLs and MCLs split. Oh my and God. Tore no way. Like this punch was so hard. He just went on top of his head and he was, this wasn't a small guy and like his lights, like it was just good night. And then his knees went out and I was just like, Oh, and then another guy, I remember Crossy in Manchester. He, like sidewalk snooze and it was oh you just you hate to see it because you you never want to see someone that get that hurt but that's how tough steve was and he wasn't trying to hurt you he was just doing his job you know and he's uh his his hands were like uh thor's hammers so you want to you don't want to be on the the wrong side of those what, what was it like playing in the in the a like you got to play in some cool cities with that too like wh- where was your favorite place to play when you're at that level I love Providence and Boston, just like the whole East Coast vibe. Uh, we got to go like to visit a lot of the schools. Like in Providence, there was Providence College, Brown University, uh, RISD, the Rhode Island School of Design, and uh, like URI. So as a younger guy, you get to kind of see that side of, of like the world because like Ivy League, and then in Boston, you get to go to Harvard and BU and BC, and you see the like the U.S. Co- like the U.S. colleges and universities like. Up, up close and personal is kind of cool and then 
like it's Boston that that whole New England is such a like a it's all it is sports crazy like you guys understand like the the Red Sox the Patriots the Celtics the Bruins and even for us like we were the baby Bruins we were the pea mm-hmm. Bruins and our following was crazy like we would sell out and if we were playing in like a town like we play Lowell Devils and they were a Devils team we would have more fans from Boston because they were in Lowell Mass because we were we were Boston we were their their up and comers so. I really enjoyed my time there. And Milwaukee was pretty cool. I enjoyed that. San Antonio was awesome because I love Texas and George was not too far from me. So <laughs> You posted a picture on Instagram with you wearing like a Subway jersey or something. What team was that for? The Subway? Uh, That's a sweet picture. I, I think um, I would have to – is it like a, or, like a burgundy one? I, know, I, just, I remember you posted on – Is it on Twitter? Or I think it was on your Instagram. On the gram? I might have been, I might have been a while back, but – um, is it, is it the, kind of the same in the East coast too? Like those towns you play in, do you get like a lot of buy-in from the town that you're in and like good support from the fans? Yeah. Oh, so Jackson. Oh yeah. So that was like a chicken sandwich. In Jersey. Oh, okay. It wasn't a subway <laughs> chicken sandwich. <laughs> it was like, uh, but that's, that was like our Sunday. I, I hated those jerseys, but I was opening up my hips real nice. I wanted to show my kids <laughs> that this is how you show, this you how you open up it. their hips. But yeah, those, those jerseys are horrendous. Um, but like minor pro sports, you got to, you need your, you need your sponsorship. Sports, and yeah. I think it was like a, one of the local grocery stores that sponsored our jerseys and it was a chicken sandwich. Be fun <laughs> to sit in on like the marketing meeting, like designing those jerseys. Like, okay, we're, so we're going to put the chicken, so a chicken sandwich on a oh, jersey. I just remember, I was like, who in their right mind approved this? But it was, I mean, but it's cool though. Cause who the hell has a chicken sandwich jersey, right? So like, do you, you yeah. have to keep those after you wear them then? Or do you have to like auction them off? They, they auction them off. Ah, like okay. they, they, and then fans get to like, they pay for it. They get to like goes towards the like, charity and then the fans get to do their thing. Um, Jacksonville actually, it is one of the best places to play hockey. Cause we have our arena holds probably 10 and they obviously rope, rope off the top bowl, but mm-hmm. we're top three in the league for attendance. So we, wow. we average about six to 8,000 good night, 10,000. So it's right that's really good for that. Like, yeah, that low, especially oh, yeah. like in, in like a non-traditional hockey market. Like, well, and like the Jaguars suck every year. <laughs> and like they have, there's that, there's the triple A team there, but like other than that, it's just us. And we've had a pretty good, like everybody loves, we have a, we have a, usually have a pretty tough team. So guys come to watch us win and watch us fight. So it's, it's a good, it's a good spot to be in. You, you had a, had a few good years there in Providence in the A and then, and um, like never got never got the call up to Boston. I want to talk about some of the hurdles you you uh, faced to get that call up. What what do you think was like? Were you ever passed over for any reasons or like? I wanna... Well, like like I said, I was I was drafted by the guys that traded Joe Thornton. You know, so my the guys that drafted me and believed in me, they were gone. So like, okay, there was a totally new regime that came in, and he like Shirelli loves his big boys, and. I mean, I just, I don't think like I showed up like not in the best shape, one of my camps and I kind of was just in his bad books from there. And no matter what, I just wasn't able to come out of that. And, but life goes on. I just, you got to do your job. And I've I had some good, good years in Providence. So I had some good point totals and I can prove that. Like, I mean, I knew I could play at that level. It's just a matter of getting that opportunity. And like, there's probably going to say probably hundred, 200 people are like, in the in the American hockey right now could play at that level. It's just that opportunity and that's all you need is someone to like you. Like if you're a first round pick, you gotta prove that you can't play in the league. Any other pick you have to prove that you can, you know. So I that was a later round pick and 
it's it's just the way it is and it's it's unfair but that's just how it is like and that's just how our game is when you talked about like the area you came up in too it was if you would have came up in this era you probably would have a better chance to make it as opposed to the big boy era like the guys like Lucic 15 years ago yeah David Backus's of the world thrived 10 well I mean you look you look at my buddy Dylan Dubé who's coming down my camp yeah he's not much bigger than me and he looked you see how he can skate he can think he plays gritty that's how I play like but I mean he's a little bit more offensive he's (laughs) he's a world-class player I'm just saying that that's the type of player that I was and Mm -hmm. Dylan's a prime example that, I mean, you look at his playoffs that he had with the Flames, he's going to, even like the, the man Japani, the Flames, um, like all those smaller guys. Ethan Bear is not a very big guy. And as long as you can skate, move, and think now, that's what I tell my kids. If you can skate, you can think. From there, you'll, you'll have an opportunity to, to, to prove yourself. And I think that's most important is that I love the game now. It's so fast. It's that it's it's skill you know it gets people out of their seats the some of the, the goals that are scored you just like are wow one of my favorite guys to watch is Pedersen from vancouver like they like chicklets posted a highlight reel before they interviewed him and it was the stuff he was doing was absolutely insane the alien yeah like yeah. <laughs> him and that uh the little defense with that that huge he just yeah. they're like he they, they think the game on another level that's why they're both top five picks in the nhl in the nhl just and the way they move and they basically just kind of do what they want. Like guys are going to try and run them, but they're so elusive and they're so used to just being the guy and being the man that once you get to that level and you, you realize what you can do. And then from there, it's kind of, they're going to have like Vancouver's going to have a great team and it kind of sucks for the flames, but like they're going to have to play those guys. Did some good stuff. Come on. Yeah. They stole Mark's room. Well, they, yeah. they got Marky. Marky <laughs> was with me in San Antonio. They got Marky. Oh, okay. Wait. wait a second. So, uh, Spitting Chicklets, they were talking about because Ryan Whitney played with. Do you play with Whitney in San Antonio or something? Or no, where, he came the year after me. Yeah, they talked about like how he fell asleep on the bus and they and they like it was in the compound. He had to like jump over the fence to get out of like where they parked the bus. Like what was, was, what was, that, my, Whit- was that Whitney or Marky? No, Marky fell asleep on the bus and like Whitney was telling this. It was such a great story. And he like I, fell. He fell asleep on the bus and he had to like jump out of the compound over this like barbed wire like oh, wow. chain <laughs> chain link fence. Yeah. It sounds like Mark. Marky was wild in his. I mean, we were all kind of wild in our days. Like we, Cowboys dance hall in San Antonio. We go there every <laughs> Saturday after our games. I remember actually. I remember in Providence, one of our Texas trips. We all went down and we went to one of the last games we won. We were in San Antonio, so all of us went out and we're leaving at six a.m. to go to our go to our bus. And there walks uh, the the Providence Bruins onto the bus, and in the airport, all of us had cowboy hats. That's <laughs> like, awesome! Right on. <laughs> like if all the boys are gonna wear it, if one of us were all wearing it. So we all had our cowboy hats. We were walking through the the terminals of the airport. They're all looking at us like we have ten heads. So does a guy like Marky? Does he like like George Strait and stuff, and like a big country guy? Or is he kind of like into the? No, he's. Swedish I think house he was music? a <laughs> Swedish house mafia man, Axwell, and but he's he's he was actually he was really big into rap. I remember that he had his Jaguar. A little Jaguar car, and he he liked his rap. I think uh, I don't even know who was. Swedish House was big then, but he liked his rap Avicii. in the South. Uh, the <laughs> Beachy, yeah, Axwell and Grosso and all those guys. Whatever the I don't I don't really follow that music anymore. Man, did, I'm just looking at this San Antonio team. And did 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 is this Manny Legacy like the Manny Legacy play what? for you guys that year? It said one yeah. game, but he was there for like one game or what? We're, we had like seven goalies. I remember in like Not a matter eight. of like it says eight on yeah. the last year. So my one of my best friends, Tyler Plant, who that's who I got to go on the road with. He yeah. was he was a second round pick, and I didn't know he like because he quit and he just went home, and then he ended up going to Sweden. But I get to the rink and we're in the hotel, and they're like, "Where's Tyler?" I'm like, "What do you mean?" 
He's like, he didn't call you. He's like, no. So he was halfway home and he didn't, he was starting that night. I didn't tell oh, them wow. they quit. He's like, he's like, he's like, F you Panthers, F you. And then like, our backup goal is like, what? <laughs> he went to go in. That's why we had like, he's eating a hot dog, getting ready for the game. Holy yeah. God. He's like, ah, going and going home, going back to Brandon, oh, wow. Manitoba. <laughs> like you guys had Alex Petrovic on that team. He, he played, uh, or maybe he didn't, he, he's still playing, isn't he? Five yeah, games. He Calgary, Calgary flames. Yeah. He just him. signed them. Yeah. To the yeah. flames. Yeah. And then you've got uh, there's a couple other guys on here I recognize. Is this is this the Dadanoff that plays for the Panthers now? Like yeah, was Kenny, he just yeah. starting? He yep. was just starting. He was, he just was starting. Like, he was really skilled, but he was pretty soft at that time. Then he went home in KHL, and I think he got some confidence and obviously grew, hmm. and then came back. But I remember he was super skilled, super small, but just wasn't really fit at the time to wow. like grind it out for those eighty games. Especially as I think he was up and down a couple times, but. And he was good. You could tell he was a, he could score. Dang. What was well, Luch like as a teammate? <laughs> man, the biggest little kid in the world. Biggest <laughs> really? little kid in the world. Same same as you same as he was when he was fifteen, sixteen that he is as a thirty year old now, man. He's Dang. just so he's so about the boys. He's so funny. Like I would just I would just mess with him. I remember him and Garrett Hunt were the two the two tough guys on our team and Garrett was with me in Jacksonville and they just get each other fired up. I remember like <laughs> you walk down like the, so at the P and E when we play at the Coliseum there, you had to walk. It was like a caged over that you could hear, you can't see the other team, but you could hear them and they just be barking and like everything at the other team. Like they're going to kill you. And I'm just like, you guys are psychos. Like, <laughs> and Luch would wow. be barking and he's like, Oh, and we'd have jump around and they'd be breaking stuff as a warm up in between like the jump around. <laughs> Like, like the like Bash a, Bros from Mighty Ducks. Yeah, it was nuts. <laughs> like that whole team was crazy. Like I, I'm so glad I never had to play against them because they were Jeez. nuts, man. <laughs> I remember Russ telling me about about Lucic one time. He said that he's like actually a hunchback. Like his actual. They said back. he'd be six foot nine if he didn't have like the hunchback. Yeah. yeah like, so I think he was born with a curvature in his spine. Um, but wow. he would be like he was supposed to be like six seven, six eight. Wow. Oh, crap. But man, he like I remember like because we got obviously we were drafted by this like guys in Saskatoon and he was in Vancouver, and then the first time seeing was at Boston camp. So I didn't like you're so like preoccupied like occupied with yourself. Yeah. That when I do when I did trade when we did get traded and he was on my line, I didn't understand how good he was. I remember like kind of like just passing him on the wing and I was expecting the puck back because the defenseman was coming at him and it's a pretty big D coming at him and he was like literally like a bulldozer just right through them. Like wow put the guy and he just take to take it to the net and he could skate he could shoot i mean there's a reason why he made so much money he like he was literally the definition of the power forward that eric lindjoss was supposed to be you know Dang. you still see it with the flames though like he has like all of this like the skill and hockey iq he just his body just has given out on him because he played so hard yeah, all the, those years. yeah you look at all the guys that played like that played that power forward role i mean gets Perry, all those guys are their their bodies are once mm-hmm. they hit a certain age, man. They, those are hard miles, and he's played a lot of hockey playoffs, regular season. I mean, the, a ton of hockey. There's a ton of hockey and a ton of heavy hockey. The way he plays is not like he's just a skilled guy. He's going through guys every night. I was sitting front row at a game last year, and he hit a guy right in front of me and like knocked over the two beers I had on the, <laughs> on the ledge. That was a head. I was like, oh man, that's a big dude. Damn. Did you guys did you guys see that? Uh, the guy go through the window and yeah, uh, I just saw yeah, I saw that when, yeah, and he's I'm celebrating <laughs> that goal. He hit the glass so, that, so hard, man. Holy that was that was the league I played in last year. Oh, okay, so it was like a Hungarian, Austrian, and two Romanian, three Romanian teams. I remember playing in that arena, but that's that's a pretty epic picture to get. I mean, oh, if you're the guy, unreal. like you're gonna be you're gonna be famous forever. 
we uh, speaking of definitions, we got. I think we got to ask one more question from from you. Wacy, leave it to you. Want me to do this one? Yeah, yeah. it's your turn, man. Yeah, I've I've me. been talking more than, than <laughs> I usually do. So I don't I don't know if Wacy gave you the uh, the heads up, but we ask all of our uh, our guests what their definition of cowboy shit is. Cowboy shit. Yeah. Fuck. That's that's most people are uh, waking up the rooster. We're the ones that are waking up the rooster. You know, <laughs> my my parents, oh, my man. parents, old Strasmal, my grandparents, my parents, my grandparents. You don't eat before your uh before your animals you know you take care of your animals and you got like that's i mean i grew up on the farm grew up on the ranch like the cowboy like the rodeo's nice but they don't see the everyday where you're cleaning up their shit and you're cleaning up the stalls and oh, yeah. making sure it's you, you're up at four in the morning and during a blizzard making sure your horses and your cattle are fed and everything's there that's cowboy shit i like it oh man this is this has been great awesome yeah. interview it's been fun thanks to for your time share some stories and yeah thanks for yeah, the 90 man, minutes i appreciate it <laughs> yeah yeah if, yeah if you ever find it. your way in calgary or whatever we will recruit you for the hannah tournament we can grab some beers and visit some more but this has been awesome do you want to plug like your your hockey camp or anything or if you're on instagram it's just wr20 power skills same thing twitter i don't uh i'm i'm almost gonna start a fight with all the skills coaches now because i don't use the toys <laughs> all this <laughs> stuff is gonna get kids killed but i mean i, I work with pro guys my Western League guys, we have every Tuesday, Thursday, getting them ready for their camp. And I do minor hockey. I'm doing camps now. So if anybody wants, they know where to find me. And I'm always willing to help. Awesome. No, that's awesome. Yeah, thanks again, Waze. We really appreciate the hey, time. And one more one more question. Best yep. best nickname you heard out there in your hockey days? <laughs> best nickname? I yeah. can't say it because you said 14 plus, not, not X-rated. <laughs> but, uh, uh, so I'll leave it at that, gents. Thank yeah, thanks for being here. Thanks for doing it. We'll uh, we'll play your outro song. You'll like it when you get to hear it. Awesome. Thanks, Wade. Right, okay, thanks, Wade. All right, bye. bye. and pretty women. Lord, I'm still right there with them. Singing above the crowd and the noise. Sometimes I feel like Jesse James. Still trying to make a name Knowing nothing's gonna change What I am I was a young troubadour When I wrote in all the song I'll be an old troubadour When I'm gone Thanks again to our guest, Wacy Rabbit, for being on the show this week. Recorded that one a while ago. Now it seems like that's a sweet interview, though. Yeah, I enjoyed that. That was good. He's a cool guy. I didn't <clears throat> didn't realize like all the players and stuff he played with over the years and like, places he's been. Like that's he's kind of seen it all when it comes to hockey. So and pretty neat that he's still connected to our business too, eh? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I mean, he comes from a rich rodeo community, and they you can tell he's a fan of it. So oh yeah, yeah. We uh, speaking to some hockey stuff though, and that's. Yeah, the the picture that we're using to promote the show, there's a unreal picture of Wacy having a sweet celly after a goal in a in like a Captain America jersey. Nice. Which brings us to our next point about uh the reverse retro jerseys in the, yeah. the show. How neat man, what a move by the NHL. What a move. I like it, man. Like there's it kinda really gave some team some teams some creative freedom to come up with some really cool jersey concepts. And I mean some teams knocked out of the park and some teams Maybe Didn't. procrastinated a bit on the design. 
But yeah. Overall, I think like some of them are so great. Like, I mean, I'm going to be a little bit biased with the Flames jerseys. Like, those are unreal. And, like, Arizona's turned out great. And LA's are unreal. Yeah, I really like Florida's fan. as well. But, yeah, I like yeah no, it's good. Even like, even, like, Montreal, man. Like, for a jersey that's, like, so, like – iconic not really much you can do with it they like did a good job of like putting a different spin on something man how did the canucks not go with their sweet old uh like black and orange and red well they well they but they used that jersey last year already right oh so they already brought it back yeah so i think they're paying homage to kind of like the 2000s like when messier and those guys were around yeah okay Mm -hmm. because they already have the black skate with the like the old school one yeah okay so Uh, i mean it's pretty cool I mean, oh, I hate I hate Winnipeg's. They they sucked. Oh really? I, mean, I guess there's nothing too the crazy new, is it? But they but you can't oh, say man, that you could have went like something. That... Man, but that's the Dale Howarchuk jersey. How do you not do that one right now? Yeah, I guess I don't know. I think I think they could have done like a Timu era one with the red and white. Would have been red, white, and blue. Would have been. A, but they been already more. have that. They had that for the Stadium Series. Like they had yeah. that for the Heritage Classic. I think they already done that. Did that one? Yeah. Too. I guess. I'm just not, I'm not a fan of it. I think it's it's just uh, it's not for me. And even like Detroit sucks. It looks like a practice. Detroit's game. Detroit's is the worst by far. That doesn't even look. Yeah, like Detroit's and and, and New York Islanders like they fucking it looks like <laughs> they didn't even try. Like they, man, they should if they should done the fisherman jersey. Like they missed the mark. Oh yeah. so bad. It was right there. It was so close for them to have it, and they just completely missed the mark there. But there's some really cool Literally. jerseys, man. I'm I'm pumped to get a get a Flames jersey. That's for sure. Top three, what do you got? Mm, top three, uh, Calgary, Colorado, and oh, probably LA. Man, those are some good picks. That's yeah. probably the those are probably the honorable mention to honorable mention to Minnesota. Yeah, and Florida because I really like Florida. Florida. They're cool. Yeah, Man. I really like Florida's. The only other one I gotta add into that package of jerseys is. Uh, Probably St. Louis, just because that one's pretty neat too. <laughs> yeah, I like that one too, man. There's right? some good ones. I I really and I really like Tampa Bay's, dude. Like I love that old school like lightning logo. Yeah, that's like the um, NHL '99. Yeah, I like Tampa Bay logo. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. So I mean, I like no, it. there's some good ones, dude. Big fan. I'm excited to see the old blasty on the ice. Yeah, that's pretty neat. It's pretty cool as a horse on one. Anything black, like black based, is looks so good. It's just a sharp, sharp color. I like it. Yeah, I like it. Even the Leafs is pretty neat too. Like, honestly, it's it's, it's not a, anything too crazy new. But I'm a big, yeah, yeah. I'm a big fan of all those ones. Those those are my top six for sure. The San Jose yeah, is kind of standing out too. But man, even Vegas, dude. Yeah. Like they did a pretty good job considering. We're not like, having much to work with. Yeah, yeah they have much, not much to work with. And I mean, Washington's. I love that. Like the Screaming Eagle logo of Washington. Like yeah, Pittsburgh it's, sucks. It's, New York's plain. They're just plain. Yeah, there's like more they could have done with it. Don't like, love Dallas. Know. I'm a big fan of the Nordiques, though, for the Avalanche. Oh, it's man. Really cool. And they, like, they did the – I think that's, like, when you think reverse retro, that's, like, that they hit the mark the best. Like, it has their, their blue and their maroon, and then it has like, everything paying homage to, like, the actual the retro part from. of the jersey, right? Yeah. yeah so, I, th- I think that's great. They, they, they're even, they're, the Whalers is pretty cool, too, for, for <coughs> Carolina. For yeah. No, they did a good job, too, for sure. It's pretty yeah. neat. Yeah, I'm pretty pumped neat. to see see some of them. What's what's your worst? What's your least favorite one? Oh, it's Detroit. That one sucks. Yeah, and kind of have like the Pittsburgh one sucks too. And New Jersey looks kind of lame. Columbus, as Islanders. weird as There's as weird of... as Anaheim's is, I kind of like it. I don't like that one either. <laughs> it's kind of weird, like but I like it a little bit. Yeah. 
And I can't really see the whole Blackhawks one here yet, but I don't really think no. it's that. It's the same as every Black. The Blackhawks have had the most jersey in my jerseys in my mind in recent <laughs> memory. Yeah, Ottawa looks kind of. I don't mind Boston's gold jersey. Yeah, did a good job bad. with that. Yeah, the, so I don't know. Yeah, uh, Montreal is kind of neat too, actually, with blue. For me, it's, it's sharp. an iconic jersey to make a blue. Mm-hmm. That's kind of a first time for them, I think. But yeah, I agree. Um. Getting on to some other stuff, though. Let's finish up here for the show. You've been kind of had a rough go here the last little while with the COVID actually, positive. Actually, getting the COVID and yeah, uh, it's been, it's 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 one of those things. It's like um, you can like distance yourself from like what's going on until you actually like have it. And now that I've actually had COVID, it's like become a lot more real for me. But yeah, it's definitely been a roller coaster for a couple of weeks here so 10 make sure people are like listening to <laughs> the health regulations and stuff and like wearing a mask and just being careful because 10 out of 10 do not recommend you gavin covid because it is no fun not fun and you yeah you're not one of the people that dodged the symptoms you actually have had them and you've kind of yeah i would i would classify my case as like a mild case for sure like yeah as I haven't had to go to the hospital or anything, but I've just been like, like a such an umbrella of, of uh, symptoms. Like I started out with a bit of a sore throat and then it kind of moved into more like cold flu type symptoms, like chills and achy muscles and sore throat and that kind of thing. And then it's kind of moved into my like a sinusy type cold and like headaches and like loss of appetite. And then I lost my taste for a couple of days. And then these last three days have just been like so weird, like just so like just like feel like all my energy is sucked out of me like i have no energy to do like anything like i i can't sit up like i, I can only like i was this afternoon like I, I was at my computer doing some work and then like after an hour or so i was just like i can't i need to go lay down just because i felt so shitty like nauseous and hmm. that kind of thing so just it's been like a, a wide range of things so it's definitely it's one of those things that's real especially a lot more real now that a person's had it so definitely got to be be mindful moving forward for sure what are you going to do differently after this or anything like what's it look like like, after uh i I wouldn't say any like i've been pretty good i think when it comes to like following rules like wearing masks where i need to wear a mask and like like keeping things clean and what using hand sanitizer and washing my hands but yeah i think uh, i think just keep doing what i've been doing like just listening to what like our health officials have to say. And I mean, just like, I don't know. I want things to get back to normal as much as anybody, but I mean, I'm, so I'm just, I'm not going to, if, if like, whatever, I'm just going to keep following the rules and wearing a mask when I have to wear a mask and keep it clean. I have to keep clean. So, and mm-hmm. I mean, definitely, I guess I personally be a bit more wary of like where you're, where you're going and who you're talking to. Maybe I might like tighten up my circle a bit, but other than that, yeah. I think I, I've, I, I like to think that I've done a pretty good job when it comes to, being doing my responsibilities when it comes to protecting myself and others against COVID. Uh, albeit the fact I did get it, but mm-hmm. that's, that was my, yeah. But anyways, yeah. So that's kind of how it's been, but yeah. 10 out of 10 don't recommend zero fun had by yeah. all. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, even, even the part of just like being stuck in my apartment for two weeks has sucked, you know, mm-hmm. like, like I know well, with November and stuff going on, like mental health and stuff, especially with men has been the big kind of at the forefront of the conversation. And I mean, it's like, I don't know what, you know, me, a lot of people who listen to this know me. I'm like a pretty active guy. I like to be out on a boat and see my friends. And I mean, I haven't got to do any of that for almost two weeks now. And it sucks. Like I 
you can only sit around for so long, right? Mm-hmm. Watch so many movies and stuff. So, I mean, it's, that's definitely probably just as taxing on anybody as the symptoms of COVID have been. So, yeah, that you, you talk about men's mental health and it, and it is Movember. We're nearing the end of Movember already, but talk about that a little bit too mm-hmm. and what's going on. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, well, so for those who don't know, I guess it's not as prominent in the States. Like Movember is kind of a movement to raise awareness for men's mental health and prostate cancer and uh, testicular, testicular cancer as well. It's kind of a movement to, to stop men from dying too young. Like there's, a, there's a big problem right now where, where men are dying young due to the, whether it be mental health issues, like suicide types of cancers. Yeah. So um, uh, Movember kind of raises awareness for that and they donate to certain charities. Like they're, the, they're the leader of charity for men's mental for men's health in the world so they they got a pretty good message and their goal like their their mission is to reduce the number of men dying prematurely by 25 percent by 2030 so i mean it's a really good um movement and like something to be a part of like i've been taking part of raising some funds for november they introduced a new thing this year it's called move for november so they like you want they want you to run or walk 60 kilometers out for like every 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 hour 60 men commit suicide and lose their lives. So they just kind of raising awareness for that. So, I mean, that was something that, especially given with our, like, especially in our industry with, with what happened with Ty and mental health has become a really big thing at the forefront. So I figured it's a good way to kind of do my part and raise some money and some awareness for, for men's mental health. And we've all been through it. Like we, you and I've had conversations on the pod about uh, like the stuff that we've went through over the years. So, I mean, it's definitely something that hits home, and it's a good thing that what the, the small member organization is doing by raising awareness for it all. So make, check and, out my mo check out my mo space. <laughs> yeah. You got a pretty good mustache coming in there. Ways. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty fortunate. Like I don't, my facial hair game is pretty average for the most part, but I do grow a pretty good mustache. I'm blessed with some good mustache genes. So, so oh, when did you, when did you start growing your mustache? Oh, I, I definitely cheated. I didn't start growing it at the first. I, I think I, I grew a beard. Jeez. I don't think I shaved her down for like the whole, from like August on. I just kind of oh. kept trimming it. And <laughs> okay. then I just like trimmed her into it. It's one of those things. It's like, I get like the movement where you like got to start from scratch and grow a mustache, but it's like, I have a good mustache. So I want to have a good mustache the whole month. So I just like shaved it into a sweet onesie. So it looks cool. Right. But mm. I mean, I definitely have some movement to do these last couple of weeks once my quarantine's over. Oh yeah. I've got about 11 kilometers out of 60 down. So the last couple of weeks, I'm going to be doing a lot of running here. So stay tuned for that. <laughs> and I, you're I out. When do you, when do you get out? Are you like, you're supposed to be out of quarantine. I'm supposed to be out Wednesday. I'm supposed to be out Wednesday. Give as long as my symptoms are gone. I don't know if that's going to be realistic. Cause I've still got a pretty decent cough and I'm obviously still not feeling hundred percent. Mm-hmm. so maybe play the weekend is a bit more realistic but we'll see mm-hmm. i don't know I, i'm gonna gonna give it till i'll see how i'm feeling wednesday and then if i'm still have some stuff kicking around i might call alberta health and see what the what the that looks like are? okay yeah and then hopefully next week i can start getting out and doing some stuff again just because it's winter time too i mean like ski hills are open christmas stuff going on i mean i want to get yeah. out and do some stuff so when do you kick this and when is it that you're not contagious anymore? When does that happen? I don't know that. I think if it's anything like the cold or flu, I think like the the first three to five days is when your contagious period is. Oh, okay. But so really, um, you, might, you should be able to get out. 
Sounds uh, hopefully. Yeah. I'm hoping, like I said, if, if, if I still have like this cough come Wednesday, I might call in and just see what's going on, mm-hmm. but yeah, hopefully get out of it soon. Okay. Uh, I'm sick of being cooped up. Yeah. I believe it, man. Well, we had to get tested too, actually the other day. So we mm-hmm. dodged it so far, but you know, knock on wood, we're, I mean, even like you talk about seeing your friends, like what, how, like, I don't even know, like we're not even supposed to hardly see anybody really right now. Like, you yeah, kinda, yeah. Like, it's kind of like one or two groups of friends. Like I haven't, I haven't seen hardly anybody all year. We've seen Cade and Kelsey and my cousin mm-hmm. and like been to see some stores like that way work wise from a distance. Mm-hmm. But I mean, yeah, it's, it's going to be a different winter. That's for sure. Look, it's, de- it's, it's definitely real in Alberta now, like with our uptick in cases and stuff, like, we're damn near like near a thousand cases a day now. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I think it should, we just all need to do our part and listen to what our officials have to say. They're not, they're not against us. They're just trying to look out for the greater good. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know, hopefully, yeah. hopefully we can get a handle on this soon. And then looks like a couple of vaccines might be on the way that are promising. Yeah, fingers so, crossed. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully this time next year we can have kind of things back to normal and be able to do some stuff. So, yeah. Well, yeah. you say this time next year, like I, I'm hoping springtime, man. I, hope I, I am too. I am, I am too, <laughs> for sure. For yeah. sure. I, man, I was, I hope thing. I wish things would go back to normal tomorrow. I want to like go yeah. be able to go to a concert or go to a, like, man, I want to go to a flames game and watch the flames fucking play in their new jerseys. Like mm-hmm. it's just such a weird thing. Like just like, well, like for me too, it's been so tough. Like my whole schedule is just disrupted. It's such a different thing for me. Like I'm used to being busy every day of the week during, especially during fall like mm-hmm. playing hockey and school and all that kind of thing. And now basically I'm stuck at home every day. Yeah. You know, so it's been okay. a big, it's been a big change and definitely something that person that makes some adjustments on the fly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Well, uh, we've had plenty to talk about here the second half and I guess we'll, uh, we'll call it at that and Sounds good. Uh, yeah. Make sure to remind everybody what that, uh, that you can get your check out my, at. Yeah. Get your, get your merch at cowboyshit.ca. Check out Wacy's Mo Space. Um, Christmas is coming, folks. Get your cowboy shit merch. Yeah, get the merch. Thanks again to Wacy Rabbit for being on the show. And uh, I don't know if I haven't been able to grow much of a mustache yet. Looks like you guys got some dust in your upper lip, bro. Yeah, it's not working. Really <laughs> I didn't start in August, but I've got like 10 well, days in now. I mean, like, it's one of those things. I could, I could probably grow a pretty good mustache in four weeks. I just, I don't know. I don't, I can't confirm if I can grow a mustache yet. I'm trying. Yeah, I haven't really seen it. You can, I think you get the hair just like on the side of your mouth, like back when I had in like grade seven. Is that like, I, have, I forget what Austin Mashey's mustache looks like. I feel like we'd be kind of. Because it's like a pencil stash, like a, it's like a. Very small. Like a narco, I got character off narcos. Yeah. See, like maybe I could get to there by. I got. Next, I start next year. I didn't start till the 7th of, the, of, no, of, of November. So I've got till December. So I've, I've got a few weeks left here. You might just have to keep growing it till next November, bro. I might have to. I might have to. <laughs> yeah. But we're, uh, we're, we have a contest too with the PBR with some of our production crews and we're uh, doing a bit of a fundraiser there too. So we'll make sure nice. to donate that way and see, we, see maybe, maybe when I grow up next year, I will grow a real mustache. We'll see. <laughs> Hell yeah. Awesome. Thanks again to Wacy Rabbit for being on the show today. My co-host, <laughs> Wacy Anderson. Myself, I'm Ted Stowe, and I editor, Sean Morton, graphics media, website design, Storm Defoe. That show, man, she's been killing it with that stuff. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah, yeah. that's been great. Awesome. Been real awesome. So nice work, Sean. Yeah, again, been in episode seventy-eight of Cowboy Shit. For Ted and Waste, thanks again for listening, watching. We got some video now. So thanks for checking Adios. it out. Folks. We'll see you. Bye.
Up temple, my lady of the Estes strings. 